Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. This is a Star Trek episode. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Yes, settle in. Everybody get ready. We got three hours of Star Trek coming your way. I'm promising it. If we don't deliver three hours, then (laughs) there will be consequences. It's going to be a lot of vamping in the Enterprise talk if if we can't deliver. Um, Yeah, this is week 19. You know, for the last three weeks, I've thought it was week 19, and now we are finally here. It is actually now week 19. Mm-hmm. Um, some interesting uh, trends in, in week 19 in that, uh, once again, the Enterprise episode had some themes similar to another episode. Yes, that yep, that happens quite a bit. And um, uh, weirdly, um, Tasha Yar got a lot of business in this TNG episode. I mean, not a lot, but compared to what she'd been getting... Yeah, when we get into it and talk about it, I, my take on that is that she was as surprised as anybody. Yeah, she she appeared to be surprised. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a change up for the week. We've got notes from Ben and all that, so don't let me forget that he had thoughts. Yes, I'll open those up too, actually, <clears throat> just uh, to be safe. That's right, he started sending them to you also. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't reading enough. Yeah, I feel like you remember way more often than I do, so. All yeah. right. Well, let's jump in, dude. What do we watch first? All right, we're going to do it because this week we watched Tomorrow is Yesterday. This, of course, was before uh, Rebecca Black uh, proved mathematically that tomorrow is Saturday and Sunday <laughs> comes after work. That's right. Yeah. She worked hard on that. She's young. She could get a Fields Medal for it. Partying, partying, yeah! It's, uh, harkens back to a simpler time. Matthew, the Enterprise appears over the skies of Omaha. Yeah. And an F-104 starfighter is scrambled to intercept. All shiny. An encounter with a black star sent them back to 1969. The fighter pilot is beamed aboard when his ship breaks up Mm -hmm. and Kirk and Spock have to decide what to do with him. Also, the computer has a crush on Kirk. Yes. In uh, what I guess is the episode's B plot. I really don't. I don't think it qualifies, but it's kind of an F plot. Like it's it's real low down. It's like, there's like three gags. It is an extremely tacked on gag. Three, three gags. Yeah. Um, once they discover that the pilot's son is important to history, they decide they have to return him. But first they need to recover the photographs from his wing cameras. Kirk gets captured, and on the rescue mission, the pilot makes an escape attempt. Mm. And then they just... I mean, then they just... 
Spock figures out how to get him back to the future, yep. and on their way, they beam him into his body, and it's like the whole thing never happened, so I guess that caper didn't matter. Yes. Yeah. That's it. They then they 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 kidnap another guy, but he just stands in the transporter room looking dumb. And then they then they go around the sun to go back home. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was pretty uh, much that. What in the fuck was this episode about? Hey, dog. What's more important, uh, the integrity of of time itself or one man's life? This is a very specific question that has little relation to real life. Like, it's not like the answer to this <laughs> is going to be something that I can take with me. Yes, I'm going to be able to adapt this moral to my own use. Yeah, um, I mean, it's interest. It's an interesting question if it's like explored correctly. So, is, is I, there? A, I mean, is there at least a parallel here? Like, could we expand from this to the protection of your country or an ideology nope. or a way of life? No, nope, I don't just, see how. I don't see how. It's very it's specifically just, just about the timeline. So I gave it a four. Because okay. it's not helpful as a t- as a question to me. Could be interesting, but not. I don't know. It's not a high concept, you know. I, I mean, I guess um, it also kind of feels like they spend very, very, oh very, yeah, very little time. That is an thinking, execution. Thinking issue. about or working on that idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but look, I didn't do any better. What'd you get? What'd you come up? Uh, I know this one troubled you. So what'd you I come s- up with? I slept on this one, mm-hmm. which I rarely do. Because I had nothing, and I was thinking, am I going to have to issue history's second ever no-take? Oh, gosh. But I guess that really all this is, is the novel idea, it isn't safe to alter the past? Yeah, again... Although, again, there is a couple of execution issues. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's true that in season one of TOS... Maybe that idea had not been explored very much. But again, like, it also like, was not explored here. But like yeah. the audience just wouldn't go, and then you become, you know, your own, your own grandfather. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. At this point, if you pulled that out, I'd be very tired. Like in 2017, I'd go, yeah, yes. okay, thank you. Good. Yeah, the timeline. I'm right there with you. And you'd be like, that was it? But maybe in 1967, there's something going on there. So. Uh, so what'd you, so what'd you give it? So, I mean, I gave it two. I gave it two points for that. That's, it isn't anything. And what, how was yours worded again? I'm sorry. It isn't safe to alter the past. Technically, I wrote it as it's safe to alter the past, I guess. <laughs> that's, right. that's a good way to put it. <laughs> that was my frustration at not being able to find a clear take in the episode coming through. Yeah, and I have a feeling this is going to be one of those cases where, since you couldn't even really reverse engineer one in a good way they're not going to get a lot of points on the execution either well we can jump we can jump into it so uh i actually gave him six points whoa hold on here 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 is (laughs) why okay uh what i liked was that rather than making just making a blanket statement about not changing anything Spock actually attempted to work out what the impact might be. Like, I like the idea that you can use your best judgment instead of just relying on some time travel dogma. Oh, yeah, like, uh, the smallest change will definitely have the huge impact or whatever. Exactly, like, we're in this situation now, can we at least try to guess what's gonna happen? Yeah. Can we try to think about this rationally? You're right. Once they've already removed him, it's like, ah, shit. 
that's uh, tempered somewhat for me, execution-wise, by the fact that the way the characters are replaced at the end of the episode. Yeah. Doesn't it doesn't make any sense? Did it make any sense? No, dude. You? I have it as a question in world building. I have what I have so, is: Can you explain how they beamed that guy back into his past consciousness? Seriously, yes. I'm not sure what happened. So as they. <sighs> As when they slingshot, they initially go further back in time. And the meter shows red. <laughs> well, very listen. important. They, they're getting their use out of it, dude. They put we'll that on the about, bridge. We're going to talk about that in world building. <laughs> okay. Because that's where I put that. Uh, unless you've got it in execution. I don't know where I had it. Uh, so then as they start going forward through time, and also, by the way, they're moving through space at a tremendous rate. Mm-hmm. They beam him back into his fighter at the moment. Essentially, the moment he sighted them the first time, right? But they beam a guy who's had all these experiences back into his into his body, and a couple of questions I have: What happened to the other one? Yep, because um, I didn't know you could transport in place like that. This is this is a very big problem. And number two, why doesn't he remember what happened? I yes, and, and they show okay. So like, I guess you could say he on the radio he's just pretending. But then, like, I don't think he would have said, I don't know, I saw something for a second, but it's gone. Yeah. I think he would have said, yeah, I, I saw the same radar returns you did, but there's nothing up here. Also, for, like, the entire episode, he seemed very not gung-ho about pretending he didn't see them. Yeah, he was not into that idea. Yeah. He was definitely going to make a report. Yeah. Which no one had a problem with, frankly. Well, like, I mean, he told him 500 times that he was yeah. it was his duty to report what he saw. And... But then they sh- they show the uh, mil- military policeman that they had beamed up, mm-hmm. who was in the wrong line of work. Yeah, it wasn't. He wasn't excellent. Um, he certainly the fight or flight. His fight or flight instinct is broken. I think. Oh, it's one hundred percent broken because he did not do either one at all. He didn't make a move. He's got some deer introns and hit like yeah. if he got if he had Barclay's protomorphosis syndrome, he would for sure turn into a deer. <laughs> That's right, just grazing in the fucking arboretum <clears throat> or whatever. Um, so, but so, then, so they show him returning to the point where he's prowling the halls, where he catches Kirk and Sulu the first time, and he just like, eh, there's nothing in this room. So clearly, they don't remember. Yeah. So, what was, yeah. what was the point of beaming them back at all? Dude, I, I honestly don't understand any of what happened. What happened? What, what did happen? I don't understand. Anyway, I had it as a six, but there is a one point deduction. Oh, okay. And it is for general sexiness. Yeah. So when Captain Christopher, this is the name of the pilot. We do so bad at summarizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pilot's name is Captain Christopher, and he's got piercing blue eyes. I know it's very surprising. Right. Yes, it's extremely surprising on this show. He is among the first guys on the show to have piercing blue eyes. When he's uh when he's walking around the Enterprise and mm. he sees uh he sees a woman. Uh-huh. I remember this. And he, then he goes, A woman and then there's a fucking horn sting. A sex horn, yeah. So played sex horns. Uh I was very disappointed. So one one point deduction for trying to work this horse shit in. Yeah, that and the horny computer. And the horny like, computer. Come on, Roddenberry. No like, what the fuck, man? I know you got sex on the mind all the time. But so just my... chill a little bit. <laughs> My final execution score for this is a five. Not only did he have sex on his mind like a hundo, yeah, 
but he was morally certain that we all have sex on our mind to hundo, and it was the only way anyone would watch this show. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Like, well, first thing, first thing he's gonna see is there are women on this ship, and he's gonna get horny. Yeah, tent like he's gonna tent his little pants, and the sex horns are gonna come on, and everyone at home is gonna get crazy boners, and the ratings are gonna go through the roof. The show will never be canceled. That's right. Anyway, I ended up giving it a five for uh, for execution. So the last sentence I had in take was a. Uh, uh, it's an interesting concept if it's explored correctly, though. And my first sentence in execution was, it was not really explored. Because <laughs> they don't really get into what exactly is the danger of messing up the timeline, or why it might be bad, or... They also don't seem terribly concerned about anything that happens in the episode, because it's like a fun, lighthearted caper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just in general, not a wonderful episode, tacked on sex computer... A lot of misogyny, cheesy time travel concept, inconsistencies abound with other episodes, which we'll get into, and the the crew, the tone didn't feel right with a lot of the crew and everything, which is part of characterization too, but I just, the episode seemed really off. It was not a good one, I would say. So I gave it a two. Ooh, so, ooh, that's difficult. I didn't enjoy a what I seen. On the front end, I gave it 7 and you gave it 6. Not a great start. Um, ben gave it 10 at the front end, so he's a little bit ahead of us. He gave it a 5 and a 5. Okay. Uh, his take, what if the UFO scare of the 1960s was just later versions of us? I mean, I guess. But, um, I don't Is that a take? The, I don't think they answered the question, what if? No. Oh, I mean, they answered, in that in that specific case, it was us. I mean, it was yeah. it was Star Trek people, and uh, he says they just skip right over the fact that they beam the dudes right back into their old bodies. Yeah, it was yeah. a real uh, whip up a substitute end yeah. of that episode. Do you feel like the problems you noticed might be because this was written to be part two of the Naked Time? Wait, what? And then they expanded on the idea some. Oh, you know The Naked Time, the other episode in which they had a clock that runs backwards when you go backwards through time, when we were like, why did they go back in time at the end? That doesn't make any sense. You mean they were supposed to have gone back in time to the 1960s? Yeah. And then they just, what, at the end of that episode, they went, ah, never mind. Yeah, basically what happened was they said, nah, though, and then they just <laughs> expanded on part two and changed it. And then tacked on a dumb thing about a black star? A black star. Oh, man. (laughs) That's really... that's. I know you had to come up with like 38 scripts that season or something, but come (laughs) on, though. That's not good. You can do better than that, for sure. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. So that's not good. All right, well, let's talk about world building. That makes me sad that you said that. It is sad. I don't want to dwell on it. Um, what did you have? Tell me about world building. Alright, so old Star Trek had the fun ways to travel through time that nobody ever tries to replicate in later years. So this one is a lot like the one in the movie. There's, yes. uh, especially the way they go back is they basically just slingshot or in this episode they say rubber band or whatever. They just go mad fast. They just go as fast as they can around that sun and then, oh, we're going backwards through time. So I'm not exactly it's, sure how that's supposed to work. It's somewhat consistent with the statement in the cage that the time barrier's been broken. Yes, so there's, there's, it's building its own internal logic that later Star Trek completely abandons. Yeah, not their fault, but it is going to be abandoned pretty hard. 
later we'll learn if you go fast enough, you turn into an alligator. But I mean, <laughs> yes, in late late Star Trek, that's what we will figure out. But you know, thanks Voyager. For, for a while, the only consequences of going too fast are the ship I mean, there's shakes. Like, there's like one. There's like one minute where the consequences are it it f's up subspace and it, and no one. No one can drive their Hummers anymore. Sometimes you go too you go too fast and you end up in a galaxy where your thoughts are real. That's a yeah. problem. Um, sometimes is, you go too fast and Sulu it, turns around and says that you're now off the dial, and that's scary. I mean, it's look, it's for sure, it's for sure a problem if you spend all day imagining fires, <laughs> like everyone in Star Trek does. Like it's a real common problem. It's, it must be the only way left to die in Star Trek. What do you suppose it is? It's just everyone has a, a version of Rimmer inside of them where they think to themselves, "Oh shit, my thoughts are real." And they go, "Oh, I better not think of a fire." Yeah, like uh, 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 every single time somebody's thoughts are real, which is apparently like a third of all episodes in Star I'm, Trek. I mean, I I'm 100 percent certain that if thoughts were real, your primary encounter would essentially you'd have Buck Bukai walking around uh-huh. talking about baseball all the time. Yeah, well, we would get into it and you would just but except you'd engage him. Oh, I would. Yeah, I'm not Cisco. I would not yeah. quit on that conversation. I'd get in there like swimwear um, United Earth. I don't really know. What he was talking about. He said something about United Earth. Oh, their authority is comes from the United Earth Space Probe Agency. Okay. I didn't... The UESPA? Yeah, you'll see it a couple more times. They hadn't... They hadn't locked it down. I know they always call it the Starfleet, but... Yes. I didn't really know how it all works. Um, Wait, is that a replicator that that guy saw? Or is that just a dumbwaiter? Because if that's a dumbwaiter, why is that Air Force guy so baffled by it? Uh, let's say not not clear, and also, why do they eat why do they eat foam cubes sometimes if they can just have chicken soup? This, it's, I mean, I don't love soup. I might eat the foam cubes sometimes, but don't really just two options. Understand what that was supposed to be because they're not supposed to have replicators till way later. Right? I mean, well, well, right? Well, uh oh. What about the protein resequencers in Enterprise? But, but what are those for? Because I got a chef. Yeah, that's also true. I don't know how any of it works. Wait, they have. What are the protein resequencers? Did we talk about that? Well, well, okay. Well, <laughs> luckily, there's about 15 minutes of protein resequencer business in this week's Enterprise. Oh, okay, so okay, okay. We good. can talk about it some there, but right. I will, I will jump the gun and tell you it can straight up make ice cream. The chef's not making so, the ice cream. So why? So what the? F- All right, okay, that's fine. I don't even care. Listen, somebody thought it would be real fun to have Chef be like Maris, which is the character who we never see. In, uh, yes, Fraser. Yeah, Niles's wife. Yeah, ex. So, somebody thought that was going to be like real fun. Yeah, to just have them mention Chef all the time and not give him a name or an identity. He doesn't get to fight crime. They were wrong. So, yeah. It wasn't that fun. It's not that fun. It's um, not and then I had. Can you explain how they beamed that guy back into his past consciousness? Um, no, no one can. It's it's even more baffling than any of the regular things about the transporter. So I feel like this episode, in terms of world building, for me, raised a lot more questions than it answered. I, I gave it a three. I feel like stuff was happening, but I don't know what any of it was. Okay. All right. I was very confused by it. I got some stuff. Cool. Black stars. Slingshot time travel. Mm-hmm. There are 12 ships like Enterprise in the fleet. 
I saw that in Ben's notes too. I didn't. I I must not have been paying attention when they said that. Yeah, the captain Christopher is impressed by the ship, and I don't Does, know, did he, he mean twelve in that class, or just twelve that are cruisers? That, I assume he means twelve ships of the Enterprise's capability. Although in Fanon, I think it is twelve Constitutions. Okay, and I think it's twelve plus Enterprise for thirteen, technically. Oh, okay. Um. United Space Probe Agency, 430 crewmen aboard. Communicator emergency signal. Apparently, if you fuck up on a communicator, you can send a little alert. Okay. I'm, I guess it's probably there for you to do it intentionally, although why that's better than just saying you have an emergency, I don't know. Yeah, why would it be built in like that? Right. Uh, phasers apparently aren't very safe to handle. Okay. I had it at a six. Oh, wow. Okay. But oh. it does get a plus one for special light for going back to the <laughs> time. All right, good. You gave it, you're going to give it continuity points for that. Yeah. Okay. Because that's wild. It was wild the first time, but once you've seen it twice. Yeah, dude. It's like some technician like, put that on there. And that's a part of that ship. They anticipated that they might go backwards in time. And he's cleaning up on the bet that they had about whether or not that light would ever be used. I mean, for all we know, that light's just a clock malfunction light, but still. <laughs> yeah, why is the clock going backwards? Red light! Huh, clock doesn't seem to be working. Clock diagnostic this, fails. Yeah, this is the check the clock light. Uh, ben straight up gave it an 8 for world building. Damn, dude, I, I don't know I don't know what happened. This is on me, I a, guess. He had a few things. He had a few things that I didn't have. Okay. They're actually not... They're, this is pretty, pretty good stuff. He must have been paying more attention to this than either of us. Mm. Uh, impulse power is enough to achieve escape velocity. Yeah, I assumed. Uh, that, that would almost have to be true. I yeah, think, what are they going to do, yes. warp out of there? I don't, I don't know. Uh, well, they're, they're not supposed to be in the atmosphere. That's pretty clear. Yes. Uh, tractor beam force acts physically because it crushes that target. Yeah. I actually thought that kind of vibrated itself apart, but either way. Yeah, I figured maybe it was like, uh, it just... You, you once you it's going faster than it really should be, and once you kind of dick with it a little bit, it just comes apart. But yeah, pro- well, it took a long time to come apart, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the communicator is the locus for locking on a transporter. They did seem to say they weren't going to be able to beam Kirk up without his communicator. Uh, okay, yeah, that is actually a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, and yes, humans can manipulate time with their warp engines. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Apparently, this is a thing. He says it's the best and worst thing to happen to Star Trek. Yes, but except that it it's not really used like that in later Star Treks, so it's yeah. It's... Yeah, I have to admit that I have to feel like probably someone would come up with another way to do a time travel story because there's about five. We'll see about five more. Yeah, including sometimes just a ship from another time shows up and no one. It's not explained. Oh yeah, and they've never bothered to really get into how that shit goes down when it when it goes down. Um, boy, I guess there's some good points in there. I guess I'm convinced to bring my score up to a, as much as a four. Okay, well, I, he added it an eight. I only gave it a seven because I gave it that continuity point. Yeah, I guess I wasn't paying enough attention. Which is, I think, not every series is going to be able to earn continuity points. It's tough. Like, once Deep Space Nine has established continuity, it's probably going to stop getting points for that. 
Enterprise probably not going to earn many more continuity points unless no, the continuity they, is somehow interesting. Because they keep, well, for one thing, it's their mission to fuck up everything that came before. So well, that's true too. They they get a lot of negative continuity points. But in TOS and in TNG, probably there are still plenty of continuity points to be had. Yeah, it could be. Uh, well, Matt, you have uh, trashed this episode so far. You've given it all of ten points, and you already said that you felt like the characters were off, so... Yeah. What did you give it for characterization? Uh, let's get into it. Kirk, uh, he acts like a lot of the super-advanced entities that many Starfleet crews run into. He's, like, really nice to this pilot when he grabs him, but ultimately tells him to shut up and do as he's told. That is true. He's like, hey, nice to meet you. Uh, have a nice time. Enjoy yourself here. You're never going back home. And uh, I don't want to hear anything else about it. So... So that's like how a lot of the advanced aliens act when they're fucking with Starfleet. They'll be yeah. like, hey, enjoy! This is a paradise, why would you want to leave? And then like, we love our freedom! I hadn't really thought about that, because what I wrote uh, really ticks all the same boxes, but with a different slant, which is, Kirk's bedside manner is pretty poor, but he treats Christopher with professional courtesy. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> so I had the opposite take on that, but you're not wrong... That is, that is, he's basically the Squire of Gothos in this. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey, have, have a good time, enjoy yourself, but you can never leave. So, let's just get that out front. Um, and he's like, real, he's real care, like, for, if you're supposed to be worried about the past, he's real careless about judo chopping, punching, wrestling, telling everyone his name. He's, is... It's just really weird, it's, he handles it really in a cavalier way. This is very, very true, because you might punch someone, and it might not be hard enough to kill them, but they might hit their head on something on the way down. Like, I'm just saying, like, what's the opposite of not getting involved with people? Is it getting into a fist fight with them? If it's not the opposite, it's pretty close. Well, I mean, it is... I'm sure he would argue that, from those guys' perspective, that was just the day a weird intruder <laughs> punched him in the face. Maybe. It's probably not going to be life-changing stuff. Hope not. I'm just saying, if you do believe in the dogmatic Starfleet view about time travel, you, you're you not doing it very good. Yeah. Um, Spock sensibly points out that this guy could fuck up a lot of stuff with knowledge of the future. Uh, less sensible in his frustration that they picked a female personality for the computer. Yeah, that was sexist. Uh, he was sexist. very put out. Of course but they chose again. a female voice. It's like, whoa, Spock! Let us not forget that Spock will shout, The women! <laughs> I'll never forget. So, we know where his mind's at. I'll never forget. Um, Spock and that guy that they beam up have a humorous mugging contest. And <laughs> yes. we all know Spock is great at mugging, so that's that's good. Spock also knows what the phrase little green men means. Yeah. he's. Uh, it's funny that they still use that expression. It is funny. McCoy says some words in this episode, they didn't really mean much. Um, it was, he's not in this at all. And I, I have a theory as to why that is, and we'll talk about it later. Sulu looked very happy to kidnap this guy again. Like, it, when he got away or whatever. And then they and then Spock gave him the neck pinch yep. down on the planet. Sulu looked as happy as he could be. Like, oh yeah, we kidnapped this guy again. Sulu was pretty pleased. He, he was happy he with this plan. Sulu was still riding high from Spock telling him he did the right thing by uh, beaming up while Kirk was in that fist fight with all those uh, 
all those uh that's true he got some dap new master slides yeah he got some dap on that and he was still like super super pleased with himself spock likes me and he knocked that guy right out (laughs) also when i will get into it in quick hitters but the first neck pinch spot gives to the the nameless guard he gets him like right on the shoulder on the outside of the shoulder nowhere near the neck yep and the guy just goes down like my fucking shoulder no, you're not a Vulcan. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. You don't, don't know how to do it. I won't tell him how to do it anymore. Um, probably a bit, nerve probably runs a lot of places. Generally, I thought they were all really cavalier about everything that was happening. Uh, sort of dangerously so. And um, It was a real caper. Just a real caper. They all had a grand time just fucking shit up. I gave it a four in characterization. Okay. All right. Bits I enjoyed, but overall I thought not so great. I had it at a six. I'm going to talk through what I wrote and, and sort of think about what the score actually is. Okay. Uh, again, Kirk's bedside manner is pretty poor, but he treats Christopher with professional courtesy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sulu is a quick thinker and not sentimental. Like he doesn't pull a bonehead move like... I'm gonna go help Kirk. Oh right, he's gotta get out of there with them shits. Yeah, he knows what the what the mission was. I thought Spock was pretty strong in command again. He's getting used to it. Yeah. Um, uh, McCoy's barely in it, and I wondered if that was because the uh, military policeman makes the exact same astonishment face. <laughs> they couldn't. They couldn't have them both in the same episode. It'd be way too confusing if McCoy was still around. <laughs> yep. Uh, no one else yeah, really no, in the episode, no right? In it. I mean, Uhura is, in, Uhura is referred to about three times, but doesn't really do anything. You see her in the back. I think her hair looked different. Uh, she looked like she was wearing like a crazy wig. I mean, I did write that her hair was a real mess. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't my quick hitters. I'm glad we both got that. <laughs> um, I think I, I think a... Scotty even talked, but it, he didn't say much. Uh, he did, and also they referred. For probably for the first time to his engineering prowess. Oh, good. All right. When uh, when Spock said, if Mr. Scott is still with us, the power will be back up soon. Man, Spock was throwing out compliments, up. man. He's, Spock was yeah. in a good mood. It's been a while since Galileo 7. <laughs> when everyone was being a, really, a real jerk for no reason. He's, he's trying to get a fresh start with these people. That's good. With these horrible racists. <laughs> I mean, they're sexist too, but that doesn't bother Spock. No, he's in, he's in on that. Uh... I had it at a six, but I think you've talked me down to a five. Good. Take that, Star Trek. Um, Guessing you probably have some quick hitters. Yeah, I do. Let's see what I got here. <clears throat> Love those shiny aluminum fighters of the 1960s, dude. Oh, yeah, the Century Series fighters? Don't paint those fuckers. I want to see the metal. Um, I want to be able to see where the rivets are. The rivets are important. That way I know that the thing was built properly. I'll check all the rivets. Um, they aren't good at flying through space yet, right? Like, they <laughs> well, need... some issues, for they, sure. They need better instruments and stuff. They straight ran into a black star. Yeah. Well, it's black. Yep. I know, apparently it's just visual. They're just looking around. Oh, shit, dude. Sheridan didn't destroy the black star. Kirk did. He ran That's right true. into it. That's true. He's Starkiller. That's what we should call him. Um... Hey, will this episode, I had this thought early in the episode, will this episode be redeemed by the fact that this was all happening before we ever landed on the moon? Like, will we deem this an acceptable episode based on that? Because in the beginning they're talking, they're like all the moon transmissions. 
are coming. No. Yes. I, I mean, one thing that's fun about this is that they did correctly call the day that man would first land on the moon. How did, uh, so like the day of the week. It's not. It's a one out of seven chance. Oh, okay. It's not, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I thought they had a date or something. I was like, what? Um, was that Fighter Command radio guy played by a young Chris Walken? The guy communicating with with Captain Christopher. <laughs> he was not the best actor <clears throat> in this series in this week. Let's say. Also, then I had to start thinking: Did Chris Walken go to the Shatner School of Acting? Because a lot of they have a lot of the same weird cadence. There are some. It is cadence, particularly. Uh, Chris Walken does some stuff with pitch that <laughs> Shatner does not do. It's a little advanced, right? It's kind of like a Shatner Plus move. <laughs> yeah, but they both sort of pause in weird places on weird words, and you're like, "What? Why are you talking like that? And are you um, from somewhere weird? Where are you from?" While they both do a lot of eye acting, hmm. Walken's eye acting is very, very different. That's he true. Doesn't, he doesn't bother with sex eyes, but he does like open and close his eyes too much in both cases. You're right, he emphasis. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's not Shatner eyes. Shatner eyes no. are a very particular thing. Yes. All glistening and disgusting. I don't, it's probably Yuck. Walken couldn't do that. He had to, he had to improvise, come up with his own plan. <laughs> Um, oh, by the way, when they beam the guy up, Kirk immediately gives him his bright eyes technique in the transporter room. The the lighting, he has his stage lighting with the light just on his eyes when he's talking to the, the guy when he's on the transporter pad. That is an aggressive first move. It is. That's a fucking power move. You're like, oh, you beam out of my ship? Check out my eyes. Well, he has a yeoman carry a lamp around to do that for him, <laughs> like Morris Day, so. <laughs> That's right. It's Morris not purple Day. or whatever, but it's still something. Morris Day is my all-time favorite movie villain. He threw a lady into a dumpster. <laughs> well, he shouldn't have done that. And it was kind of hilarious. Um, uh, okay, well, fuck me. Check out those sex horns playing in the background when a woman came on screen. <laughs> fucking Roddenberry. God. It was just like, blah, 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 all muted and everything. It's like, oh, man, those are some farty sex horns. Um, glad that guy didn't just faint when he saw Spock on the bridge. Handled it pretty well. Didn't didn't have, like, a freak out. <clears throat> it's just ears, right? Otherwise, he just got weird eyebrows. Yeah, that's the thing about Spock. I, like, I almost want to assume that he's supposed to look more alien. Like, we're going to have to do this a lot when Klingon starts showing up, I yeah. think. That, I mean, it's a problem in all of Star Trek, is you see a guy who looks basically exactly human, and you're supposed to think, well, everyone on the show can instantly tell that that's not a human. Yeah. So I think we should assume that if we were there, we would be able to tell, too. Yeah, because sometimes and, I do think, man, I might just go, that guy's kind of ugly. I mean, in a lot of cases, right? Or yeah. like... That guy's got one weird birthmark on his forehead. <laughs> why is that guy so on net? Why, why is that guy spray tanned? What's the deal with that? Yeah, what's hey, going great on? spray tan, buddy. What's going on here? But like, yeah, and I had the same thought when the guy, when he, he's looking at Spock and it's like, he's got elf ears and his eyebrows are drawn on funny. <laughs> he's, yeah. it's like a, he's like a chola at the Lord of the Rings convention. <laughs> That's the best description of Spock. So, let I I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, and even when we see Spock as Ambassador Spock in the Next Generation, I think he looks a little more alien. 
Yeah, they do a lot of things in the TNG to the Romulans and Vulcans to make them seem slightly more oh, alien. They, they, they give, give them a little them bit of forehead contouring. Bit of forehead business, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, in Enterprise, <coughs> they they do away with the forehead stuff. Yeah, they walked it back. They walked it right back. It's just bowl cuts. The distinguishing feature of Vulcans are elf ears and bowl cuts. Yeah. And I guess they wear cat suits for some reason. <sighs> yeah. Why? I don't know why she doesn't wear a standard uniform. Okay, whatever. Yep, yep. They can't be the Vulcan uniform. It is... They wear robes for all other occasions. And we've seen a million Vulcan ladies, and none of them were wearing cat suits. So, yep. fuck that. Uh, a sexy she computer. Went to that, Doc, she went to that jazz club, and she got ideas. Let's stop talking about Enterprise for now. That's maybe forever. A sexy computer, too, huh? I can feel the execution points falling. Um, have oh, they... and it's Majel Barrett, of course. Yes. Have they forgotten their ability to mind wipe? Yeah, they did. They, they did forget it. They you know did why? It. Because this script was written about ten episodes before that one. Well, they did it to that lady so she wouldn't remember her weird dad died. Yep. That was it, right? So she wouldn't remember her dad died? Uh, it's okay. Everyone forgets it. Pulaski's going to have to independently invent it. And then forget season it. season two of TNG. And, and then, then forget then it again. Dr. Crusher's going to mention it once and in passing, and it's never going to come up again. Like, why can't they just do it to this fool? It would solve every problem that they have. It absolutely would. They wipe his mind and they beam his ass right, like, 50 feet from the wreckage, and he just stumbles out of a bush like, I have no idea what happened. I mean, we know McCoy can do it on the Enterprise. That's where he did it to the lady the last time. All right. Yep. Spock straight up tells the guy that uh, history recorded he was a nobody in their first (laughs) meeting, and I'm like, oh, shit, dude. Don't worry about it, because this guy's not going to remember what Spock said to him. Still, though, that's fucking mean. Uh, let's see, a Kirk judo chop. He was ready for that dude. Um, why are they so bad at avoiding contact with these past people? And like I said, why would Kirk get in fistfights and tell everyone his name? Why is this happening? Um, Kirk says it would be just about right if he locked him up for 200 years. But it should be 300, right? No. But 20... Yes, Yes, it should, you're right. Yeah, it should be 300. We assume Kirk is just making a joke for nobody. Yeah. Is that what we have to do here? I'm just saying they could have... He's joking for nobody on nobody's behalf? They could have just written it so that the the guy said 300. Because that guy didn't didn't hear it or notice or laugh. Yes, it was... There's no other audience that was for nobody? A comedic aside for nobody, correct. Yeah. Um, Spock and Vulcan Neck pinched the guy's shoulder. Uh, The time clock's back. Blah, 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 blah. All right, that's all I got. All right. Hold on. Just an update. I just saw an Oakland A trying to run home, what should be an easy run scored, and miss home plate entirely. Just wanted to let you know. Nice. Just straight up stepped over it. Was it Jeremy Giambi? Did we hire him again? No, it was Rajay Davis. It was fucking Rajay Davis. Uh, no, it wasn't Jeremy Giambi this time. Go on. Sorry. Okay. Um. Yeah, I have uh, a few things. You covered a lot of stuff, but uh, I got some stuff here. Did the transporter make Captain Christopher stand up? Because when they beamed him out, he was sitting. <laughs> I know. He yeah. was in his seat. I know. Uh, then he's standing there. So here's the thing, by the way. If that's true, why did it make him face the wrong way? <laughs> They're just fucking with him. Scotty has the ability to just orient him however he wants. He's like, "Look, I'm going to turn him around." He's like, oh, "I was going to put his hand down his pants, but he's wearing a flight suit." <laughs> it'll just, it'll just get beamed into his flight suit, and then he'll have a hand suit. That won't work. Yeah. Um, that's Spock seems worried about uh, stock market manipulation in particular. Yeah. That's like the number one thing that he's afraid could happen with time travel. I'm afraid the guy's going to cash in. He's <laughs> 
He's gonna he's gonna buy Apple stock. He's gonna buy stock in Apple computers. And it's unfair because that's what we should do. Um, I figures that they can't uh, can't bring aboard a guy who's who's like cool even for a second. He's yeah. gonna mock Kirk about being stuck in time. He was very combative. Yeah. Uh, Spock tells him that the, there's nothing. Re- no, he made no relevant contribution. <laughs> And then about two minutes later, the guy parrots it back and says, you said I made no relative contribution? <laughs> no, nah, he didn't. He didn't. That's what I meant by he wouldn't remember it. Not that they're going to beam him back into his body mysteriously at the end and he, he won't remember he, it. He, just not he didn't remember it on the ship. Okay, good. So, he already... See, I think that's already a softening it. Spock said, you didn't make any relevant contribution to history. And he said, well, you didn't, I didn't make any relative contributions to history. <laughs> so I made some contributions? Is what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, this, uh, this sergeant is in the wrong line of work. Yes, he is. But literally, they beam him up, they beam him up, and he literally just stands there and is frozen. Out of fear. Yeah. His cravat sure is sharp. Yeah, did the Air Force used to wear those things? I assume they must have. I mean, this... It's not a cool look. The whole point of this episode was, oh man, this is gonna be cheap. Yeah. We license a little bit of footage of an F-104, and then... We just, uh, I mean, as as Ben points out, they just repainted some doors in an office building. Yes, that's true. Uh, like, you think they could have, I can't imagine that these uniforms are period inappropriate, although they do look awfully purple, and I wonder if that's color correction. Yeah, it could be. I just thought they looked terrible. We, we know that the command uniforms, despite the fact that they look gold, are lime green, so... There definitely is something screwed up with the color. We get those great blue eyes as a result. It's true. It's really the only thing they were worried about. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I was just, the rest of I was just the rest of it was just me being mad about uh, what happened at the end and how it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it was not a good ending. Also, the... Spock Spock's not real clear about when they should stop. Like he he gives some advice. Like we are approaching our century. Well, can we do better? <laughs> yeah, because we kind of want to go back to where we were, not forty years either direction. So, just do a little bit better, Spock's. What was the math on this episode? Uh, well, I just wanted to say that on top of this, Ben points out that the Enterprise uh, does not look good in the atmosphere. It wasn't flying good, for sure. Yeah, it looks like a lame duck. Yeah. Um, he also asked if Spock was a lieutenant commander before he thought he was a full commander. I don't remember. I'm sure if you go back and read the report that he signed Vulcan Science Officer or whatever, it probably has his name on it, or his rank on it somewhere. Yeah. But I don't know that it's been said out loud. They aren't really worried about it. Uh, so after the various deductions, I think you took a point from me and I gave a point to you, as often happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up with it at 19 on this episode and you ended up at 14. Yeah, it's yeah, a little below average for them, right? For a grand total of 33. Their average uh, prior to this week was 35.9, so we're still, it's we're kind of in the ballpark. Yeah. Well, we're within a standard deviation of the average. Yeah, they uh, to me it felt below average, so that's fine. That feels right. It didn't but, seem to be very good. But we watched four other episodes this week. Something could beat a 33, right? Let's see. 
let's jump right on to Heart of Glory. I need a record. I need a sorry. I need a record scratch sound effect because uh, I forgot to mention that I gave best actor to the transporter room babysitter. <laughs> yep. In okay. That episode. Yep. And worst actor to the Omaha base colonel, but only because I didn't remember about the guy on the radio. The guy on the radio was not super good, but yeah, no, that those seem fair. Uh this week we watched Heart of Glory. Yeah. Got to hear that beautiful song twice. Um, Alright, so reports are there's a battle of some kind in the neutral zone. The Enterprise goes to investigate and they find a a damaged freighter. Uh, Then we get to see a cool technology demonstrator for something that no one cares about. uh, Geordi's visor. And they go on the, the freighter and they find some Klingons on it. And the Klingons make up a story about how they were attacked by Ferengi, which nobody really believes. And then it turns out, it's like, oh no, um, we killed some, we blew up a Klingon ship, because they came to get us back, because we're, we're renegades of the Klingon Empire, because we don't like the peace treaty with the Federation, and it made us all weaklings, and we want to be our, our primal Klingon selves. Um, another Klingon ship comes to take the, uh, the renegade Klingons home, but they escape from the Enterprise brig, and there's a confrontation in engineering, and the Klingons die. <clears throat> That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. It boy, it uh, boy, it takes a long time to get into the story. <laughs> yeah, well, they really spend a lot of time looking through Jordy's visor. It's it goes on. It's like uh, Star Trek: The Experience, but the ride that no one really wants to see. Do, can we get off this ride? This ride's yeah. terrible. Oh look, it's a bunch of fucking colors. Okay, that's neat. Um, I thought that the at least uh in in season one tng tradition they do at least say the premise out loud no good which is the true test of a warrior uh it comes not from without but from within mm-hmm. i mean Worf says it to the guy right before he phasers him to death so yes. it's you usually tell people the truth when you're about to murder them yeah so that's so it's like what what point is there in the last thing I say to this guy being a lie? So that's Worf's true uh, take on this episode. So I mean, obviously, I'm always happy when I don't have to sleep on it to figure out what they're trying to to say here, and it it, it reasonably tracks. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening here that goes completely unexplored by this and later episodes. <laughs> that's a Star Trek hallmark. The I think. nature of the Klingons and the Federation. Yeah. But these guys uh, really are trying to seek some external validation. Yes. And, uh, we already know that Worf's biggest enemy is within. He said that last week. And um, and they went with it, dude. And he means it. We, and it's we, consistent. We liked that scene from last week. And I don't think yeah. either of us remember that they were going to come back no, to it this strongly. I did not remember that that was the premise of this episode. Because I only remembered the the plot and Conmel the Ugly. Conmel the Ugly, of course. Um, we gave some good nicknames back in the day. Anyway, I, I think it's about a six. It might be getting a it might be getting a bonus point for me not having to hunt and peck. Yeah, but I you know it's a it's a medium good take. Like, yeah, I, I guess for all of the warriors out there, I thought it was fine too. I I actually have it at a five. It was I have almost the exact same thing. Struggles not outward, enemies inside of us, whatever. Um, 
Well, it's a little hippy-dippy, but it's fine. It's not really broad enough to be a real a real good theme, but it's fine. It's not because it it doesn't generalize a hundred percent to. I mean, so there's some similarities with the premise that I had for coming of age too, right? Which is, you have to judge yourself internally, mm-hmm. and this is also saying don't go seeking glory externally. So the two of these episodes back to back, it's a consistent really message. Serve to focus on the internal life and the sort of the internal betterment, which I think is what the only thing we're ever going to hear is a reasonable goal for people in the Federation. Yeah, why they aren't just... Is that they're just constantly trying to better themselves. Why they don't just watch that harp porn all day, every day. Right, exactly. Yeah. And just shouting out loud, I can eat for free, so why not? <laughs> That's right, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I gave it a five. I thought it was... I thought it was all uh, average. I thought it was all right. Yeah. In the take. Uh, and by the way, it's because we don't do a good job of explaining the episodes. The technology demonstrator we're talking about, uh, Jordy has a way for everyone on the bridge to view what he sees through his visor, the way he sees it, which is just like a weird acid trip with a bunch of colors. It is a little bit. It's a little bit like a, like a, basically like if we were trying to watch any channel in the bedroom we grew up in, except for channel 44 <laughs> and channel 36. 36. Yeah. <laughs> like if we were trying to watch TV twenty. That's no basically what that was like, but in, but with more color. Yeah, and they legit spent like ten times as long on it as they needed to. Um. Anyway, execution. Um. Worf had to learn to overcome his internal nature in a world full of humans. Right. Mm-hmm. These Klingons were just as outcast among their own kind because they were never able to conquer their internal enemy. So I get it. I get it. It's all good. I weirdly didn't have a ton of notes on this episode. <laughs> on the execution yeah. of the episode or all, all together? On, this, on, on the execution of this episode. Yeah, yeah Yar is pretty useless. She, she's in the episode, but she's not. doesn't seem very good at her job. Riker doesn't do much. We waste a lot of time on the visor. But honestly, I thought it was pretty solid. Yeah, what do you give it? I gave it an 8. An 8. I didn't go quite as high as, as that. I don't disagree that in general, this is like a solid workmanlike episode. Yeah, workhorse. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of stuff shouting at you about how wrong or idiotic it is. So, chorus and Conmel and I presume Kunisha. I forget what his actual name is. It's the third one. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember either. He all he does is roll around in the bed and die. So they they run around seeking glory because they're shitty little bullshit men. Yeah, they suck. But Worf's greatest enemy is. As always, within. Yeah. I think the episode suffers a little from all of the red herrings at the beginning, and weirdly, the stakes never seem that high. Like, yeah, they're, they're like, oh, they're going to blow up the Enterprise, but it's like, no, they're not. It's not believable. <laughs> they're not going to blow up the Enterprise. This is not how the show ends. Yeah, this is not the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah, because like, they're pointing a phaser at the right. warp core or whatever. And it's like, the other thing that's not believable is, Worf's not going to suddenly switch sides. Yeah, I know. Yeah, or they're... Like at, at best, he might pretend to switch sides to win this guy over. Right. So it kind of lowers the stakes. Um, I only gave it a five for, for execution, but in general, I agree. It's, it's pretty solid. Um, through the first half, uh, I gave this episode uh, 11, and you gave it 13. 
So off to a much better start than... So uh, definitely starting better. And Ben gave it uh, 11 in the first half also. Uh, his his take on this is nature versus nurture. So that's not... It's not real specific, but it's about wharf and... Growing up among their humans. Blood, their instincts right. or the necessities of the political environment, right? So... It's kind of in there. The only thing that I have to say about that is that the uh, that kind of talk is usually pretty reductive. In fact, we uh, I think we went a little wild on that episode, uh, Too Many Bolanas, about how racist the portrayal of we Klingon Bolana is. We went to town on that one. It was hard to just ignore what they did uh, there. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, he gave it a six for execution, uh, saying it was more skillfully done than data lore as far as backstory. It does, we do learn a ton about Worf in this episode. Oh, yeah. We'll get into it in world building, for sure. Um, pretty pretty straightforward, just a vehicle for Klingon stuff. Um, but he said he would, he would award it points in, so it, uh, it, further down. It sounds like he agrees. That it was pretty just like, yeah, yeah just an episode where all yeah. the stuff happened and you didn't sit there going, why the fuck did that happen? Yeah, Which, it's not an episode where a bunch of stuff doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there are, a, I mean, there are a few things, but they were all roasted like quick hitter level for me, rather than yeah, problems with execution the execution level. Right. Yeah, um, I guess that brings us right around to uh, to world building. Do it, homie. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent, with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. I made that clip too long. Uh, yeah, uh, so this was Ben's uh, high-scoring episode of the week, and we'll talk about what, what his total was later, but uh, he gave it an 8 for world-building. So That's a high score for world-building. World-building is really hard for people to score on, because you have to dedicate time. You have to be like, guess what? In this yes. episode, we're doing a deep dive. Here's a lot of exposition or something like that. So I think like most of the points that he's giving it here are for... Um, the exploration of the Klingons mm-hmm. and sort of their relationship with the Federation, but some other stuff like their uh, the Death Yell he talks about, the way they uh, have no regard for the bodies of the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, he asks if it's their first look at a Klingon cruiser. It is not. Not certainly not. Uh, not this if you one. Count, if you count TOS, I think mean, it's first look in TNG. That is true. It's the first time yeah. we've seen it in TNG, but right. we will we will see it again uh, several times. And in fact, this is just a reuse of a movie ship. Exactly. It's not a not a new model for TNG. Um, he loves the awesome stealth gun that mm. they have secreted on their several persons. Yeah, I had a different take on that, but sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think I thought it was cool when I saw it the first time. Yeah. 20 years ago, but I I don't care so much for it now. Right. It just seems like it just seems like the security people should have removed those things. Yeah. <clears throat> Why you got all these random things all over? Why don't you wear some prisoner garb? That would have been good. Put them in the <clears throat> Or like when he's in sick bay and he steals the spike off of his dead comrade's boot. Yeah, like, hey, why'd you do that? Uh, like right in front of everybody. <laughs> how, how no one goes Did he just um did you just take that guy's boot spike? <laughs> I guess they just went, Klingons are weird, man. Yeah, they got to collect each other's shoe spikes. Klingons, what you going to do? Yeah. 
Uh, Klingons don't take hostages, but otherwise can be hella sneaky. Yeah, the rules for what Klingons can and can't do take a real beating in this episode. Uh, and, well, you know what? They will take so many beatings over the course yeah. of this this series in particular. It's like, Klingons, all they care about is honor, except 90% of the Klingons you meet are hella dishonorable. But anyway. Yep. Klingon political reactionaries. Mm-hmm. Um, he says 100 years on and Star Trek Four is still being played out. 90% sure he meant six Roman numerals. Yeah, right. Uh, this is true, and I always love seeing a, when one of the major races is not portrayed as monolithic. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is, I think I had the same thought when we saw those Vulcans that were kind of, uh, let's say, on the fence about Surak. Yeah, in uh, Enterprise. Until it turned out they were all rapers, and I yeah. guess these guys are murderers. This was what so. I was had a problem with in that episode, where they're like, hey, turns out there could be other kinds of Vulcans, and they're pretty, no, no. No, no, rapists. They're rapists, for sure. And, uh, yeah, Chorus and Conmel are not great guys either, as it turns out. But yeah. I do like to see dissension. Oh, I agree. I agree entirely. And that's what makes some of the later Klingon stuff that happens in TNG pretty good, is that there are some yeah. different things happening. Um, All right, good job, yeah. Ben. Those are the, his major points for world building. What did, uh, what did you have? Uh, in the beginning, when they think maybe the Romulans are back... They've, he says, they've returned to this sector, and it's like the sector that is the neutral zone between yeah, the, seems like the Federation and Romulan Star Empire, kind of where you'd expect them to seems be. Seems like the single most likely place to find them. Yeah. Uh, uh, they detect photon explosions from like a kajillion miles away, so apparently they have some some good sensors. Um, well, they, they got a message to investigate, right? Yeah, somebody close by sends a message saying, "Hey, there's a battle going on," but then Yar uses her sensors. Yeah. To detect photon explosions. But, so maybe they're active sensors and you have to be looking in an area like Yeah, maybe. They didn't maybe. they didn't get that stuff passively. Right. Uh Talarian freighter is the kind of freighter that they find. I don't know Correct. what that matters. All the Geordie's visor stuff. It's hard to know. From this episode, I think you have to get the idea that that's going to keep happening. Because otherwise, <laughs> why would yes, they spend so much fucking time on it? It's true. So I have to put it in here. Uh, Klingon death rituals, uh, where they, you know, they do the crazy death scream. Um, Worf's backstory about growing up on Galt, the farming colony, whatever the hell the age of inclusion is, aside from what I assume is like a sweet period piece starring Kira Knightley. That's some good mystery sci-fi stuff. Before the age of inclusion. How, how old were you? Before the age of inclusion. You're like, oh. Uh, that, yeah. That, yeah. I can't do a good Conmel. He's so dumb sounding. <laughs> yeah, Conmel's the worst. Chorus seems hella on the ball, and Conmel seems like a goon. He he does. I have I have a theory about that, too. Okay, good. Um, Worf's brother went to the Academy, but hated it and returned to Galt. Um, that crazy weapon made of uniform components is a real Hong Kong cinema idea, I said. <laughs> It's true. Um, I gave it a six. I feel like there was a lot there. It's hard. I don't know. I kind of don't know what you'd have to do to get a lot of world building points from me. I think I might be being too harsh, but I I gave it a six. There was stuff there. I think I tend to give a lot of world building points for things that explain ways in which the Star Trek universe might be different from the universe we know. Well, there there are things like that. I I remember, of course, the famous, would you give them an eight in Where No One Has Gone Before? Yeah, thoughts shape reality. It's just true. They just said, yeah, that's how it works. (laughs) Uh, What else but the power of thought, says the dialogue monster through Commander Riker. (laughs) There's one. Whom I I noticed before. 
That Commander Riker? One or two. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whom I, whom I noticed before. The redoubtable Commander Riker. Yes. Um, let's see. What did I have that hasn't been touched on? Android auras. So let's hope Jordy never meets an android trying to pass as a human. <laughs> he'll know right away. That's right. He's the android uh, detector. They needed him on uh, Battlestar Galactica. He was he was the Cylon detector. 48 hours from Starfleet by subspace radio. So who hey. were they talking to in the beginning? Yeah, because that seemed to be pretty real time. Like, I guess, uh, I guess if they're going to have to ask what to do about these guys, they have to ask Earth? I mean, is it Earth? Yeah, I guess it goes all the way back to Earth, and then they also get a time-delayed message back with that Admiral going, It's in your hands! And then people at home going, <laughs> oh, Okay! That there's was not, really worth asking for advice. There's, there's not like a sector commander or something? Because in the the original series, we've seen 15 Commodores. Yeah, there's got to be a Commodore on one of these shitty bases around somewhere exactly. that he can ask for advice from. Uh, uh, I like part. seeing the Federation emblem behind the Klingon captain. Wait, the Federation yeah. emblem was behind him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on the, on his over his right shoulder is the Federation emblem, and over his left shoulder is the Klingon emblem. Why would, he, why would that happen? I think because we're supposed to believe at this point that the alliance between the two of them might mean that the Klingons are part of the Federation. Ooh, because that, I don't think that, that holds. Doesn't but, hold, but it doesn't hold up, episode, but that's maybe not that's... this episode's fault. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Watch it again. It's in purple, so it's not like you're used to seeing it, and uh. it has Klingon writing under it, but it is the Federation emblem. Interesting. Did not know that. Uh, otherwise, everything else uh, was talked about. I gave it a five for, for world building. Okay. Um, I always feel like, see, you give a points when uh, maybe the universe is changing in, in, or explains a part of the universe that's really important. I tend to give points when I see that there's a main character who's having a lot of explanation about them because I feel like that stuff's going to stick. So when there's a lot of Worf stuff, it's like, oh, this is going to matter because Worf's going to stick around. So this is going to be yeah. Worf stuff that that matters. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it is it is world building, but to me, that speaks to characterization. Yeah, I guess that's true. In the sense that if it explains aspects of his character or is consistent with his character in some way, then I'm I'm on it. Like right. But it has to also be something I like because I. I don't oh, give yes. points for characterization when I don't like what they're saying about the character. So. I agree. Yes. Um, but speaking of that, uh, let's see. Uh, I thought that um, the wharf that we see in this episode is a good follow-up to his advice scene in Coming of Age. But <clears throat> I did not like that he sat on that information about Chorus. Yeah. Maybe that's the only part where you do kind of go, wait, is he... Why, why didn't he tell Picard any of this? He just continues to let them tour the ship after they said they blew up a Klingon cruiser? Yeah, is he ride or die with these Klingons? Like, what's happening right now? I'm confused. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is, again, the most Tasha Yar we've seen in a grip. Uh, and I, I actually liked her aside with Worf after the hostage crisis because it made her seem like a person on the ship. Right. Who has, a like, a relationship with other people. <laughs> right, and again, we haven't seen her in a while, so that is a surprise. Yeah, so that was nice and refreshing. Uh, no one else is in this episode. I gave it five uh, for characterization. Okay. Mostly because of the essentially good wharf work. It's a little bit tarnished by that odd, is he turning Yeah. Thing. I love Especially Worf, for man. someone who is theoretically aware that the enemy is within... 
and stuff like that, he he does not seem to be very self aware of the effect these people are having on him. Yeah, I I love Worf so much. I love him in this whole season. Every time he shows up, it's always for like ten seconds, and you go, God, there needs to be some more Worf in here. That would be great. I really agree. I think the character of Worf has been uh, the best character this season. Yeah. Um. So anyway, hey Worf, tone down your fucking glee that there is a battle being reported in the neutral zone. Yeah. Like, he's, like, so pumped that there might he, be a battle. He's plot pumped. Like, this is not the Worf that we've seen before. Yeah. That's kind of a, a bad mark for characterization. A dude grew up among humans, but clearly has been studying, because he just starts joining in with the Klings in their rituals. He's just all in. Yep. I'd love to... I would love to see him make a mistake. He, you never see it. We're never going to see it in the whole series. Yeah. He's never going to do something that, like, what? we don't... We haven't done that in 25 years, like... Yeah, well, if anything, later on, his temperament is what sets him apart. That yes. all the other... He knows all of the traditions and everything, but it's just that he is such a downer, and everyone's like, why are you fucking so serious? Like, why can't we just drink and fuck? <laughs> right? Isn't that essentially what they say? That does seem to be... Uh, I mean, definitely during the Klingon Civil War. That is, uh, <laughs> yeah. that is what we what we get from them. Um, loved his speech to Captain Dumpo on the uh, on the Klingon ship. Uh, yeah, it was very stirring. Uh, stirred my pants a little bit. Um, did good work in engineering too. It was a good wharf episode, just in general. Um, hey Riker, tone down your excitement about separating the saucer section, will you? Seems super uh, rash decision. He's like, "There's a battle happening in the neutral zone. Should we separate the saucer?" It's like it's just what? It's just inconsistent with how they've used it. I mean, I guess so far, have they been in any scenarios where they anticipated a battle? I don't know, but well, they chased they, that Ferengi all over. They hell. flew side by side for three days with the Ferengi. Yeah, but I, I presume that that just happened to them, and there wasn't a good point to stop and separate the saucer. I'm just can't they separate at warp? Didn't they do that? first time around it was at at extreme risk oh that's right yeah sorry about that it went all went fine though um yeah i just seemed seemed very rash and and picard's like oh yeah i don't know let's wait let's wait and see what happens um did you see the look on yar's face when picard made her stay on the bridge she thought she was finally going to be included in an episode Yes. She starts to go to the security team, and Picard goes, no, no, stay at your station, you know, in case there's shooting stuff that has to happen, and she just freezes and goes, oh, yeah, okay. It shakes her up, dog. Later she asks if she should lead the security team. <laughs> she has to ask, dude. That shit got under her skin. Uh, hey, Jean-Luc, tone down your excitement about Jordy's acid visions. Oh, for sure. Dude, Picard with Jordy's visor is like Jimmy James with a new document shredder. That's true. Also, they play the Farpoint Spirit of Exploration music under it, too. Yeah. So we're all supposed to be pretty enthralled by this. The whole time he's like, hey, look over there! Look at that thing! What's that? It's like, oh, boy. He really fetishizes Jordy's blindness. He's always sending him to look out the window at shit. Yeah. Hey, Jordy's a person. We we didn't see what was happening when it cut out, but Jordy probably just reached up and switched it off. Oh, he oh had enough. I think was uh, interference. Signal signal overload. <laughs> I thought this would happen. Jordy is extremely patient. Like the first time you teach an old person about Amazon.com or something. 
Like, he is just sitting there the whole time going, yeah, it is amazing. You can, yeah, that's what I see every day. Yeah, what a world. I told you five years ago to get on this. Uh, and I enjoyed his assumptions about what normal sighted people see. Yeah, that was nice and felt real. Yeah. Okay. Like, he's an android. Or like, why would Picard be asking me, I'm looking at Riker, why does Picard keep asking me, what is that? <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about? That's fucking, that, you don't know your own first officer? It's Commander Riker. It's fucking, I know he's an idiot, but you don't have to pretend like he, you don't know who he is. Uh, overall, I thought, uh, I thought it was good. I gave it an eight, man. Wow. I, lo- I loved Worf. I love any, war- I love all the Worfs. And, uh, I like Jordy. And, uh, no one else was, you know, no one was really in this episode, except for, except for Worf and the Klingons. You did enjoy this episode. Yeah, I did. Um, Ben, uh, who gave it an eight for world building, gave it a six for characterization. Okay. He said they uh, defanged her even worse than not giving her a role, but this should I stay at my post or lead the team? Uh, he says Yar doesn't respect herself and Picard doesn't respect her either. <laughs> we were asking the question, did we ask it last time or did we ask it off the air? Like, uh, oh, I wonder why she doesn't want to be on the show. Like, yep. no shit she doesn't want to be on this show. Yep, 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 yep. Uh... Worf is a new breed of Klingon, etc. Eh, I um, think he just grew up in a different place, but yeah. Uh, quick hitters, I got some. Do quick it. Hitters. Uh, this Romulan red herring, is it setting up the end of the season? I know that's looking ahead. Well, there you go. The Romulans, that's a name we haven't heard in a while. It's like, oh, they're going to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did Jordy turn off his thing for transport? I don't know. I think maybe he assumed that, um, I don't know, all they can see is colors anyway. I have no idea. I could tell right away from the way Picard asked about Riker that he never watched the Spice Channel Scrambled. <laughs> because uh, I could tell it was Riker. Yes, exactly. I could see his boner. I knew it was him. You're like, oh, that is clearly Riker. Um... So I looked. It was 13 minutes before the Klingons showed up. That's fucking bonkers. It's ex- an extremely leisurely pace. In my mind, the show went to credits with uh, Chorus stepping out from the fog. No, yeah, that should that's where it should have been. That was a dramatic yeah. reveal. Nope. Data does the thing that Star Trek people do, where he won't tell anyone what's in there. <laughs> exactly, he just tells them they have to come see it or whatever. He's like, hey, I found them, they're in here. He should say right off the bat, hey, they're Klingons. It's three Kling. It's there are three Klingons and one of them's hurt. <laughs> yeah, be careful. There's three Klingons in here. Um, they have that trouble getting off the mattress. Mm-hmm. Picard told Tasha he wanted her in the transporter room when they got there. No one told her to run the machine. That's true. She misunderstood. I think she's like, "Oh, she you want me to run the transporter?" Okay, she just went in there and almost killed them all. O'Brien would have got him out of there in one second. I know he's not the transporter chief yet. You're right. She it was clearly she misunderstood. They're gonna need to clarify things with her. She's just all over the place in this episode. After Chorus first quizzes Worf about what he's even doing there, he says to him, You're you're correct. The weapons were Klingon, but the vessel was Ferengi. And no one says dick. Yeah. Again, I can't... I don't even think anyone believes it. Do you see the look on Picard's they face? Don't, they don't believe it, but no one calls him on yeah, it. They're just like, okay, that's P- a lot. Picard's got that smile on his face the whole time like, Oh, you're a fucking asshole. Uh, so I have a theory that Chorus 
is a regular commissioned officer who went to college. And that's why he's so and eloquent. And and Lieutenant Conmel is a Mustang. <laughs> I was gonna say, is he like a short order cook? Like what is his deal? No, he was an enlisted man who has he's been in a while and he went to like an officer candidate school and that's why he's a lieutenant now. I but ape he, whatever chorus says, but I sound dumber. He hasn't been to college. Yeah. And he's hideous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um Crusher calls them into Sickbay because their buddy's gonna die. Cut to Sickbay and she scans him with the thing and says, He's dying. <laughs> Was that a show for the Klingons? Yeah. Was she doing a little medical theater for them? Alright, well, the Klingons will come in. I'll scan them. You know, they'll get the picture. They'll know. Everyone will know. Um, fucking Conmel immediately gives the game away. They walk out of there and he's like, If only he died in battle against an enemy. Yeah. How... Did they? Was there a scene we missed when Chorus and Conmel were like, "Well, we can let Worf in on this." <laughs> He's a Klingon. Or did he just bust it and then Chorus had to play along? Oh well, I think uh, uh, according to your theory, I think that's probably what happened. The stupidest thing that Worf says at any point in the series, he says in this episode mm. when they say that he hasn't spent much time among Klingons, and he says, "Hardly none." <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. That's very, that's a very dumb and wrong. <laughs> He's trying his best. Uh, I definitely got the feeling that it is not the first time that these chodes have tried to seduce a Klingon into their weird cult. They they knew all the beats. Well, they, they're renegades, right? They probably had to deal with hell a Klingon. They probably had to do it on some of the people who came after them just a minute before the Enterprise got there. Yeah, They were probably, probably trying true. to convince the Klingons they ended up having to kill. They got They got a pitch for sure. But they run a thing where, like, you went out into the night to hunt the beasts. Yeah. Conmel knows when to interject. You were you were an outcast, and you knew not why. This is the part where I talk. Like, Worf didn't tell him any of that shit happened. Yeah. Worf, Worf was like, yeah, my my human family was dope. I lived on Galt. It was fun. They're like, I played they soccer. hated you there, and you didn't know why. I mean, I played soccer a lot. I had soccer friends. Yeah, they uh, so... <laughs> what's, ha- what's happening? Some kid outside is okay. making kid noises. So why did Chorus pick up that little girl? Was he hungry? <laughs> yeah, he's like, maybe I eyeing her for a meal. Yeah, I had a real problem with that scene. One, Tashiara sucks so bad at her job. She does okay. real bad at her job. She didn't lock down the fucking turbo Yeah, turn lift. off the turbo lift! Not... Even necessarily because you're worried someone's going to walk in there, but they're three just feet from the turbo they lift. They could just walk onto the turbo lift. Just turn it off. And then uh, Klingons don't take hostages. Why did you pick that girl up, buddy? You just wanted to go. Oh, look. A, look. Oh, a human child. I will hold her. Let me do uh, I've never seen one of these. I've never seen one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, what? security's after us. Fine, but hold what if on. he was like one minute from giving up his shit? What if he'd picked that girl up and been like, we are the same? <laughs> I've been raw. I've been rash. Yeah. Conmel, we've been rash. <laughs> we you, will accept our punishment. Conmel, it just occurred to me that the enemy Yar, is really within. Yar's just like, Bridge, we've got a hostage situation. He's like, ah, fuck. All right, okay. Jesus, I was just curious. Uh, 
I had a there had an inkling of a thought about maybe something, but forget it. <laughs> it's gone now. You ruined my Jesus. train of thought. Jesus H Christ. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what Klingons will and won't do is not clear to me. Fake a surrender so they can do a secret rocket attack? Totally cool. Yeah, they were very excited to tell that story. Take hostages? Not cool. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and again, we can't talk about other episode, uh, future episodes, but that it will be a recurring theme. Is what the hell do the Klingons value? I don't know. Chorus gets the greatest line of the episode. I would rather die here than let the traitors of Kling pick the meat yeah! and the bones. That's right. Fuck the traitors of Kling, dude. Like Apparently they haven't so renamed much. that to Kronos yet. And uh, then, of course, uh, I couldn't let this go without saying uh, that the, that glass is not OSHA compliant. <laughs> In the engineering room? It wasn't even tempered. It broke into shards. It was very sharp. It was the sharpest glass. Dog, they got transparent aluminum. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to say I'm 90% certain that aluminum is lighter than glass. Yeah. There's literally no reason not to use it. Well, someone did a fuck-up. Maybe when they replace it, they'll replace it with the good stuff. They got straight-up window glass. Worf was probably like, oh, shit, I was probably gonna fall through that next week. Yeah, Worf had no idea that was gonna happen. That was not safe. It's like, it's kind of good we found out this way. Yeah, just, yeah it's for the best. <laughs> oh, and also, by the way, another instance of not even attempting medical intervention after someone has what looks to be a pretty survivable injury. Yep. Unless we assume the phaser is what killed him. Oh, it's like last week when the guy got stabbed in the back. And died, uh, like, and died like, immediately. Must have been right in front of sickbay. Di- yeah. Died right away. Yeah. He was dead before he hit the ground. I was like, what the fuck? Uh, I'm guessing you must have had some stuff that I didn't think of, too. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I always... I don't want to talk about it every episode, but the future folk are very racist. Yes. Imagine if, like, I was on my walkie-talkie... And I went into a room, and you were on the other walkie-talkie, and you asked me what was in there, and my response was, BLACKS! <laughs> would be very, very bad. You'd assume I was pretty awful, right? Yeah, he could have said, uh, three officers from the Klingon Defense Force. Yeah, Riker just straight uniform. goes, Klingons! And it's like, oh, wow, okay, so it's like that. Then what if I, what if you brought our only black so that you could talk to the blacks that I found? That would be rough also. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they're not making a big effort to come together racially or in a species way. But what if it wasn't... So what if it wasn't blacks, but what if it was uh, three Chinese people from China? You might send the only Chinese person in. (laughs) I guess not. These guys speak English. I probably they wouldn't all, do they that. They all can communicate. Picard can yeah. talk to them. You know what I mean? I, I just... Everything about yeah, it right. seemed kind of wrong. You're right. Future people are pretty racist. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have to say it every week. Like, they they, they all work, got together on Earth. alongside a black person, but... Yeah. Enough. But, boy, does it still... Still under the surface. They're just a little bit more inclusive about who they count as part of their race. Yeah, Gene Roddenberry's beautiful vision of the future, where all of humankind got together to bully other people. That's essentially what it is. Who's in there? That's a bunch of Chinese. <laughs> like, you can't say that. You can't say that. Riker? Uh, like I said, it's a technology demonstrator for something stupid that nobody wants. Um, did we find another eloquent Klingon? Chorus seems pretty legit. I'm not sold on Conmel the Ugly, though. Uh, how do the Klingons know Starfleet is mad paranoid about Ferengi? Uh, it's a very good question. He knows just the right thing to say. Now, no one is convinced, 
But he knows how in season one, Starfleet is really worried about the Ferengi. It's almost like he heard them say earlier, could it be the Ferengi? And then someone said, nah, it's not Ferengi weapons. Like, do you suppose in one of the scenes we didn't see when they're on the freighter, they're loudly going, I bet it's Ferengi in here. I bet we're going to find a bunch of Ferengi. It's probably what it was. Like, Riker probably said, I know the weapons weren't Ferengi, but I still expect to see Ferengi in here. I bet if you told me that the Ferengi were using Klingon weapons, I'd believe it. I would believe it. Um... I wonder if there was a fan theory in the 80s that Worf wasn't really a Klingon, but was just telling everyone he was a Klingon for attention. And then these two showed up and they had to go, ah, dang, okay. Klingons look different now, I guess. From people who had seen the original but hadn't seen the movies? Yeah, because maybe they just thought that Klingons were tan guys with eyebrows. Like the knight! I was going to say they hadn't seen Star Trek VI, but Star Trek VI hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess say, you're oh, right. they, you mean they didn't see Colonel Worf? <laughs> yes, they had not seen him yet. Obviously, uh, Omat uh, Gree Team Piffiots is what I order at Dish Dash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> why does the replicator know that recipe? Uh, no one asked. That is bonkers to me. He didn't even say to Worf. I see you've programmed Klingon dishes. He he, j- he just knows exactly it will be in there. Is not surprised at all when it comes out. Again, I think the tone of this episode is... Indicates that there is a close collaboration. Correct, right? Yeah. And this explains the question of how Worf knows so much about Klingons. It is easy for him to get the info. What it does not explain, and what nobody will explain, Mm -hmm. is why Worf isn't mad that he was kidnapped. (laughs) How come he never went, can I go home? How come, like, there's no paperwork. He didn't adopt him. He stole him. Stole him like he was Luke. Wouldn't like Klingons know about DNA? They could have figured out he was the son of Moog. Like fucking Grigory or whatever his dad's name. What's his dad's name? Grigorovich. What what kind of Russian is he? Oh, Sergey. Sergey Roshenko. All right, Sergey. Whatever the fuck his name is. Like that dude just went the greatest loot of all Klingons. Yep, and just took him. He's a napper. He's a napper for sure. Yeah. Lucky he's not a diddler. Uh, well, I guess you know Mm. we'll never know. He probably, probably only uh, Nikolai. <laughs> That's why Nikolai turned out so daily. weird. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I also came to the conclusion that these are bad dudes they're dealing with. They became renegades because they just love war and killing. So much. They can't help it. It makes them so happy. Despite the fact that there's a, a, a system called the Holly system where you can go to any planet and fight a battle. Apparently, it's what Worf suggests sending them. Worf says to send them to a planet in the Holly system where they can die on their feet with a weapon in their hands. Just guaranteed. <clears throat> um, Their words fire his blood or something. Without giving or taking away points from this episode based on future stuff, I feel like this is the best Worf will ever be at talking to Klingons. Oh yeah, for sure. So poetic. Um, I mean, he kinda, he's going to kind of yell those old Klingons down when they show up in this exact same ship about 10, when he... 15 years from now when we get to it <laughs> you mean wait in the one where he in the one where he pretends to be a klingon captain correct uh, the butch by the way if we ever get into it why did the klingons believe that was a thing anyway a klingon captain on a federation ship yeah i know they're from yeah, the past they, but see they but, fell for the they fell for the easiest trick the simplest <laughs> trick in the book. like let's be serious that's not real i think we have to assume that behind the scenes their tactical officer was like no we're gonna get we're gonna get creamed this is we're gonna get like definitely bad <laughs> Like uh, his power, the power out- output on that ship is like a hundred of these ships. So, 
I yeah no it's gonna be real bad we should not have gone to sleep this was a dumb plan <laughs> yeah what was the plan again why are we dumb all right we'll talk why is this warp capable ship a sleeper ship now we'll talk about that episode maybe in the yeah. future yeah, it's not gonna make any sense but anyway it's gonna be the same ship so look forward to that hey um was Worf authorized to commit murder in that last scene and is this something you can be punished for in Starfleet yeah my oof they just yeah, send my. him in there to talk to the guy but he shoots him right in the heart <laughs> just well, fucking they, gets him well but they'd heard from Worf that he would blow he Worf did believe yeah. he would blow up the ship he goes he'll wait as long as he feels like it's to his advantage uh then he'll blow up the ship but they're so, like all right you talk to him and he just goes in there and just shoots him right in the chest yeah it was kind of on his own authority like oh boy and the, no one talks about it of course this is never mentioned well it's only the first of very many murders that saying. this crew will commit you, personally you not can... just yeah. Not just with their ship when they don't remember who they are or whatever, but personally. <laughs> yeah, like, seriously, you cannot get in trouble in Starfleet. Also, nobody really cares about those security guards who died. Well, see, at this point, they've already learned the lesson. You can violate the Prime Directive, and if you just sit in there and say, fuck you, when the guy shows up. <laughs> That's right. I don't recognize get, your you authority. You might promoted to Admiral. That's right. Oh, oh, you don't think I did the right thing? <laughs> Eat a dick. And they just go, well, I admire your character. Tata told everyone, just turn the computer back around real sassy. <laughs> it's like, he didn't know what to do about that. Do you that can do whatever time. you want if you just turn the computer around real sassy afterwards. But didn't didn't Starfleet security crew die in this episode? I think they died, dude. Uh, at least one died. So, no one cares about that either. No one even talks about yeah. it. Yeah, 100%. All right. No one cares. That's all I had. That was it. Um, I gave the best actor to Chorus. He was pretty dope. He, he, did a pretty he good had job. a lot of good words. Uh, for 90% of, of the time that he was on screen, I was sure Canera was going to get worst actor. Uh-huh. Uh, I found him very poor. He wasn't good. He did not have what we will come to think of as Klingon attitude at all. <laughs> no, he seemed like he was maybe a little sleepy. He's like... <sighs> he wasn't as as bombastic as Nudak. And, no, well, who is? And he, he wasn't as uh, sarcastic as Kavada. No, well, that was that was our good uh, friend Stephen Root. Or Stephen Root, of course. Uh, he wasn't even as um, gruff and nasty as the captain on the the ship that Riker serves on, whatever that yep. dude's name was. Yep, I forget it also, but we'll talk about him soon. Yeah, and he's not as fat as Campok, so <laughs> just failure on all accounts. He just really was kind of a like a mealy mouth nothing. Check no boxes. Uh, but then uh, he was saved. Saved from this indignity by uh, um, security officer Ramos. Oh, no. Could not say his one line. <laughs> he sounded like. What was his line? This is just like the force field was down and he was going in or something, but oh, I should have yeah. recorded it because it was so bad. <laughs> yeah. But he, he sounded like he was 14 and had braces. Oh, they man. had the right security crew in charge. That so day. bad. So bad. Anyway, he got worst actor. Um, this was Ben's uh, pick of the week with a total of 25. You also, uh, you were even higher. You gave it a 27. Boom. That's pretty high. I gave it all of 21. Okay. Um, so it's a 48 for us. Like I said, man, I just generally didn't have bad things to say about it. You had a few more, so that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's uh, the average prior to this episode for TNG was uh, 34.9. So nice. 
although I was not anticipating this at all when we talked about what we would be watching this week, it turns out to be one of the better episodes when you break it down this way. And after watching it, I kind of feel that way too. Yeah, it just wasn't bad, and I, I think it 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 benefited from focusing on Worf for the first time because he hasn't had a lot to do, and uh, and a strong performance, like he said, from one of the guest stars, and everyone else kind of stayed out of the way, so. Will 48 be enough to win the week? This week we also watched In the Hands of the Prophets. I just had written down something about Prophets. I couldn't remember what the name (laughs) of it was. Uh, Keiko's back. And lucky for her, a shit-stirring Vedic wind decides to uh, stick her oar in about her curriculum. Mm. She wants her to teach that the prophets were gods. Right. Not, Keiko has um, not been around for a long time, so everyone has to remember she's the school teacher on the stage. Right. So Keiko is the school teacher, yeah. and she's teaching about the wormhole, mm-hmm. presumably because this is her first lecture for this class. Also, I don't, I don't want to interrupt so quickly, but I just thought of this. Did Kai Wynn know she was going to be talking about the wormhole when she went in? Or is she just a really good off-the-cuff shit disturber? Was she prepared to just fuck up whatever was in there? Because she was trying to stir up a controversy for political reasons, which we'll get into. Did she literally just walk in there and go, whatever she says, I'm going to find a way to turn it around? Or did she have some kind of advance notice that we were going to be talking wormhole today? Sorry. It is a good question. We'll get into it later. We'll get into it. Does Keiko publish her... Yeah, she, like, posted somewhere? Her, yeah, exactly. Like, hey, lecture notes are public. Because I don't remember when I was in school, especially, like, elementary and middle school, like, knowing what the hell we were going to talk about before we talked about it. But Yeah, me either. Also, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. Um, this becomes a thing, and Kira is on Vedic Wynn's side. Mm-hmm. Vedic Wynn, by the way, is in a race to become the new Kai, because even though Opaka's not like really dead she's dead enough she's like she's she's pretty far away i guess that's good enough they've decided they're gonna have a new kai she's one of the one of the front runners but i guess kind of the underdog yeah and the kai is like the pope but it's elected i guess uh she's also from an orthodox order Mm -hmm. which i guess means she don't like the federation being there right and kira takes her side and has the strongest anti-federation take we've seen all season despite her year of rethinking her role in the rebellion etc arguing that Bajoran and federation interests are inherently separate right and why wouldn't they have separate schools this causes Cisco to get involved for some goddamn reason first time all year first time all year woke up to the point that he goes to Bejor to talk to a different Vedic. Who told him, by the way? I don't know go, what he's there for. Go talk to Vedic Baril. Is he there to talk to Baril? He I couldn't to tell. He the monastery to talk to Baril. I, I know he went to the monastery, but then he seems really surprised when Baril comes out. I, I couldn't tell what he was there for. I thought he was surprised because Baril's not wearing a Sydney Opera House hat. And, and he, he doesn't try to touch him. Yes. And he doesn't, he doesn't go for the ear. Yeah, because yeah. He, instead he's doing a thing where he tells a charming story about how much he hates when people grab his ear. Right. <laughs> he's alternative. <clears throat> We're still not through this episode. Okay, let's go. 
All right. There's a school bombing. Yeah. Uh, Vedic Burrell seizes this political opportunity to come on board and talk, throw some shade at, at Wynn. Yes. Uh, at this point, it is revealed. You will have already guessed it because it's impossible that this was not the case. At this point, it is revealed that O'Brien's new girlfriend is an assassin. Yeah. She got lines. There was a reason. She did get lines. It wasn't because they needed another character. Right. Um, we'll talk about her because, uh, well, there's there's more backstory to this anyway. Yeah. Um, so she's an assassin. O'Brien has figured out her escape route. He doesn't know who's the assassin yet. Yeah. But at this point, she knows if she makes this attempt on Vedic Burrell's life, she's not getting off the station. Right. And uh, Kai Wynn says, tough titty. Mm-hmm. You gotta do it anyway. She attempts to shoot him in, in the promenade, but misses. Cisco tackles her. Yeah, she attempts to kill Burrell. Right. Everyone leaves, and Kira uh, has changed her mind about uh, Vedic Wynn. Yep, I think that's pretty much it. And by the way, season finale, everybody. Season finale. Yeah. What's this about, buddy? Uh, politicians use religion as a tool. Hell yeah, they do! Eight fucking points! <laughs> I'm in. I'm in there. I'm guessing it didn't get eights across the board, but still. <laughs> that, would be, that would be very <laughs> surprising. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I said... I said it different, but we basically agree. I said the people's faith is a tool that can be deadly in the wrong hands. Yeah. Six points. Okay. So you, didn't, you didn't feel as, as furious as me about it's it. A, it's, a, it's a strong take, and it is the kind of take that you need to make in science fiction. Yeah. So there's definitely a place for it. It's a little cynical for Star Trek, except that Star Trek is so wildly anti-religion. Yeah, Except true. that later Star Trek is so weirdly ambivalent about religion when after Gene Roddenberry died. They corrected. They went, oh boy, we've been pretty rough lately. We should we should tone it down a little bit. I don't know anything's valid, really, if you think about it. Uh, the only thing is that um, this is not this is not an alien of the week. These are the Bajorans. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I mean, it speaks to execution more than anything. So, but yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a reasonably strong take, but it's not it shouldn't be news to anybody. Is the only thing about it. Mm. Okay. Is that politicians are going to use whatever they have. The only thing that they what they don't do clearly is establish how political the uh, religious orders are and how influential the religious orders are in politics. Yes, we're not exactly sure what the uh, yeah. separation is there. Um, but look, I gave it a nine for execution, so... Whoa! Wait! Wait! Have you yeah. ever done that? <laughs> oh, boy, that's a very strong question. I wonder I if don't... I haven't. That's that's a really high... on Because ex- execution is... I mean... Well, look... These guys suck at making Star Trek. The Star Trek people? <laughs> it's true. They're not very good at it. Here, Here is the thing, and I, I said this a little bit last week with Duet, but I mean it here. This is what the show should have been? Yes, yes. Like, by the way, much... that means that's a good finish to the season. That's true. By the way, this this is a good this was a good choice to be the season finale. Yeah, and if they're and not going to do the standard Star Trek 
two-parter and for those last two episodes too for that to be right. for it to be duet exactly. and this one where i think were the best episode. all right a bunch of wacky shit and computer viruses have happened on the station <laughs> yeah can we now get away it's from finally that? time to start thinking about bajor since we're here right yeah um how much does bajor want into the federation how much do they need them for protection do any of these religious figures have faith in their hearts or are they all playing politics was kyle paka playing politics yeah um, for real, I thought that the only real flaw in this episode was that O'Brien's B plot is a little small and personal. Hmm. Though it even that does hint some at Federation Bajoran relations. I mean, there's one scene that does work there, where they talk about how yeah, yeah. Bajorans and Federation personnel actually don't really hang out. Yeah, because they they think the Federation are uh, uh, pretentious, bunch of pompous asses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um. Dog, I just checked. Yeah. I think the best you've ever given is an 8. Yeah, this might be my highest scoring execution. There wasn't a lot that I found wrong with this episode, and I, it, maybe it's getting some points for how bad most DS9 episodes are. Yeah, that can't be helped. Like, we try our best to do to be balanced, but DS9 really sucks. And also a thing that I'm consciously trying to factor in. So, because I actually scored Duet second highest last week, yeah. uh, I watched this immediately before Heart of Glory, mm. and Heart of Glory was lovingly remastered. And these DS9 episodes look like wet garbage. They really aren't good. They look worse than our VHS tapes in my memory. It's weird. It's like, no I one know cares. that I'm watching standard definition, but like I'm watching it in a window on my computer. I'm not watching it at the full 1080p resolution. Right. It's just everything is so very grainy and fuzzy and not Yeah, I can't, nice. I can't explain the treatment other than they just went, meh, who cares? Yeah. So I'm 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 trying to throw that out, but like I immediately noticed when I put on Heart of Glory how much better it looked. Yeah. And it, by the way, it's true of Voyager also. Voyager and DS9 look the worst because yeah. TOS and TNG were remastered, and Enterprise was just shot in HD. Yeah, I think they ju- I think they must have maybe they didn't do the math right. Maybe they went uh, Voyager and DS9 aired late enough; they probably look okay. And no, it's, it's like, just, you know nope, what it is? No one cares didn't. about Voyager and DS9, so it's not worth it to remaster them, because they're not going to be able to sell... They can't sell DVDs anymore. Well, for sure, sh- yeah. So there's, sh- no, there's no money to do it, is the problem. I and hear that DS9 has been more popular in streaming than they thought it would be, but I don't, I don't, I don't know for it sure. It is possible the current position on the internet has started Season 3, and it's pretty good. That is... Which is... We'll find out. I mean, we'll find out what we'll the see. what the rubric says in years, the years to come. We'll see in roughly. I remember roughly it being year, real hackneyed and stupid, but you know, we'll see. Um, um, execution. What did you give it? So, when when is the new bad guy? I guess, which isn't terrible. It's harder to snuff out than some alien aggressor. Like he's got to make friends with the Bajorans. And now right. all that's going to be in jeopardy, and he has to... And she could still become Kai, you don't know. Yeah, he has to think and talk his way through it, and he has to have his own political ally among the Bajorans, and he's almost equally political, Barile. So this could set up a lot of political intrigue if they come back to it, which I like. Um, but this mystery was pretty convoluted. Like, they were either killing time or making it up on the fly. This whole mystery of what happened with that crewman and the missing part and what happened and what fucking runabout dock and all that stuff. Um, Yep, they had to give Odo a little sub-Poirot level mystery. Yeah, and I just felt like it was like, who cares? Who cares about any of this stuff? Like, it doesn't matter and you keep talking about it. Um, Probably would have been more effective to have Neela... Like, save her being the bad guy till the last scene. 
rather than have the cheesy and obvious knowing nod right in front of everybody between her and Wynn. <laughs> like, even before oh, they have their talk... That was at the end. Oh, I no, okay. was no. Even one? before they have their talk, uh, after the, the bombing and they've all congregated around and, and Cisco's there and they have this big talk on the promenade and there's a whole crowd of people there witnessing, after Cisco walks away... She, Win and Neela just look at each other right in front of this whole crowd and just nod slowly at each other. And I went, oh boy. <laughs> okay. Yep. And then they have their talk. Mm-hmm. And I guess I understand the talk is so that we can see how bad and and cynical Win is to use this lady. But, uh, I don't know. I feel like it would have been better served to just wait till the last scene to go, oh, that was the bad guy all along. The one friend that O'Brien thought he had among the Bajorans or whatever. Uh, I gave it a six. Okay. Well, I gave it 15 in the top half, and you gave it 14. Oh, dang. Uh, so That's the um, best first half. Really pretty strong best so far. Yeah. Let's uh, If I just look in here at what Ben gave it, he gave it a 4 for the take. Oof. Saying that it was he felt like it was supposed to be about religious freedom, but it's actually about corruption of the church. Um, sort of. I mean, it is corrupt. I guess. Yeah. Um, he gave it a 6 for execution, saying... Uh, that most of the time they make the Federation look like inflexible assholes as much as the Bajorans. Yeah. Like he, uh, I guess he felt like religion got kind of a bad rap in this one. Uh, yes, but again, that's Star Trek for you. He also didn't like that, uh, Neela couldn't hit anyone when she shot at him. <laughs> yeah. All, when, so I do like that they at least had her shoot again as Cisco was tackling her and she kind of shoots the ground. Yep. On her second shot. So sometimes they sometimes they don't f- frame it very well. They don't block it very well for the special effects guys, and it looks real stupid and <laughs> it, bad. But that that true, wasn't like, terrible. It, it there was a real possibility where you should go. Hey, shouldn't she have shot that guy's leg off? She's but still that, waiting. It actually, actually wasn't that bad. And I think that's because they also have control of the sound effect. Yeah. So like they can make the exact frames when it won't shoot that guy's leg off so they don't have to figure out what to do about it. <laughs> right, exactly. Because sometimes they have to block it so badly that you go, oh my god, that guy stood there for like three seconds before he shot because they wanted the special effects guy to have an easy go. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, he gave it a four and a six, so he was a, a little less... Enthusiastic. Yeah. Uh, enthusiastic about uh, about this episode, uh, at least in the top half than we were. Okay. Um, world building. Uh, it was this guy was the low score for this episode for me. But what did you think? Uh, sticks are full of vitamin C, dog. Also, there are florin bromeliads. Those are flowers, I think. Okay. Uh, Bajor's spiritual leader is elected, but it's not really clear how it all works. Whether it's a direct direct vote or representative who who does the voting, who knows? But Barile is the polling favorite, apparently. Um. Bajoran and Starfleet officers don't hang out, and the Bajorans think Starfleet folks are pretentious. Uh, love that Bajoran hand clap. Uh, yeah. The clap like a bunch of weirdos. It probably keeps them shits quiet, which I appreciate. I don't like all that loud clapping. Um, it's like a golf clap. That's all I had. I give it a five. Okay. Um, for the boy, stuff I about had... for the stuff about the uh, the uh, Bajoran system and sort of. I had only it. given it such as a four. Hmm. Um, although when I look at this, I think maybe higher might even be warranted, but we'll see. Uh, so I wrote down O'Brien's EJ seven. It's not <laughs> yeah. much, but yeah, yeah. It, it's the first time we've ever seen that there might be such a thing as security, physical security on the ship. 
I've got some quick hitter stuff about that. We've seen, of course, we've seen Quark's rods, but that's computer security, a little different. Yeah. Um, Vedix and the Vedic Assembly. So I thought, I think of them as like the College of Cardinals electing a new pope from among their number. That's how it could be. I'm just not clear. They're like, oh. They didn't give us enough to know for sure. Yeah, they're like, oh, he's the favorite. And I'm like, but who's making the decision? Is it the College of Cardinals or is it just peeps? Like, I don't know. Because they seem to be trying to drum up popular support among the peeps. So I'm. They do. They do. Um, let's see. Uh, Kira's assessment that Cardassia would be right back if the Federation left is interesting to me because why did they leave? It's so, it's so unexplained and we just get little bits and pieces of it. I always, in my mind, I always kind of think of it as like a Vietnam situation where it just wasn't, it was no longer politically expedient yeah they just it wasn't playing well and so they had to get out but i don't i guess we don't really know do you think ben maxwell had anything to do with it (laughs) well (laughs) i mean he wrecked it's true and that is season four season four of tng right and that's like a few a couple seasons before like like right right about just enough time for the Cardassians to start rethinking it oh shit i hadn't really considered what the long-term impact of ben maxwell was Shit, did he scare them away? I mean, they might have figured now is not the time. We know that they'll jump back on once the Dominion shows up. But like... yeah, yeah, they're definitely waiting for an opportunity, so she's right. And I like that they had her say that because it gives her a reason to go, I'm not all in on Starfleet, but like we need Starfleet to stay. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that we need to have the same schools, and maybe we don't agree on everything, but like if you leave, we're like fucked, so yeah. you gotta have to stick around. Yeah, uh, oh, so yeah Ben th- Maxwell. That was interesting. Um, if we, uh, and, for anybody at home who doesn't know what we're talking about, in season four of TNG, they run it. There's a guy named Captain Ben Maxwell, and he goes renegade, and he takes his Starfleet ship around, and he blows up a bunch of Cardassian ships and bases and stuff. He takes a ship that I think we're supposed to think of as like a tier two ship. Yeah, not as good as the Enterprise, just like pretty but, good. Frankly, it must be almost as good because it looks almost the same. It's definitely the same era, same technology yeah, era. Exactly. So. It's probably just a, you know, it's a light cruiser instead of a cruiser, right? Or something like that. Yeah. And he, uh... He fucks their shit up. He wrecks them. Yeah. I mean, mostly he blows up freighters and shit, but when there's an actual Galar class, which is their main class of ship, uh, he, it's like a three-second fight. Yeah, he dicks it. He he yeah. plays the Krant game where he sits outside their weapons range and fucks <laughs> them does, up. He does it exactly like a Krant in Wing Command. And when I hear what's happening, when I watch a scene, I feel so bad for the Cardassians because I remember the How broken AI and having to chase the Krant around. You, I'm after burning full speed and he's shooting me. He's after burning at equal speed backwards. Yeah, it's crazy. Fuck this. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> That was a wing. That was wing commander talk, right there. Uh, we also see a matte painting of a city on Bajor that actually looks like a city. Oh, but they didn't use Angel One. So it's not the Angel One matte painting, but boy, does it look like it was done by the same guy. Good. That guy should get a lot of work. They love that painting. I I will always recognize the Angel One matte painting. <laughs> yeah. They've already tried to fool me once in this project by doing a night version. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, painting. this is a different place. I saw it, buddy. Yeah. I saw what you did. Right. Um. Mm, you know, I'm going to bump it all the way up to a 5. I had it at a 4, I think it's a 5. Yeah, yeah, I think just because they're going to have to deal with Bajor a lot. Even if it's not entirely clear what they've done, we now know a little bit about their system and everything. Yeah. What about uh, the the peeps, the characters? What did you think of these dudes and dudettes? I, I did give it as much as a 6 for hey, characterization. Man, this thing's scoring big for you. It scored well for me this week. It is. It is true. 
Um, I think we're supposed to take Cisco's anger in this episode as evidence that he's decided that he does want to be here. I think he, when he is confronted with all of this stuff, he is making the decision that he thinks the Federation should be there and he thinks he should be there. Yeah. So that is the first positive change. You mean as opposed Cisco. to just kind of sleeping his way through season one and trying to delegate right. everything? Um, Building I his clock they, up there, whatever he's doing? Although they gave Keiko the easy stance to take. They made her strong and not wishy-washy about it. I actually think they made her kind of a bitch. Well, I mean, you know, she's a little bit moralizing. Yeah. Um, Poor Kira. Uh, she gets a little busted in this one. Yep. Coming out so hard for Wynn, and then it's so obvious what Wynn is doing. It reminds me whenever Marjan rides hard for a politician. Yep, and you're just like, well, like, just wait. Yeah, though, why are you doing that? Stop doing that. <laughs> this is this is only going to be disappointing for you. <laughs> right. But maybe this will uh, maybe this will make her rethink stuff a little bit. Yeah. Uh, everyone else gets one line, um, but I think this is probably the best O'Brien we've seen <laughs> since maybe uh, Babel. <laughs> O'Brien's a real problem. We've talked about it a million times. They took our, least... they took wonderful TNG O'Brien away and replaced him with Power Play O'Brien. At least he's not Power Play O'Brien in this one. Oh, really? He's he's trying to be friends with that girl. All right, well, I'll give you my take in a minute. Oh, no. Okay, but I gave it a six, so okay. let's. it's time for your take. Start... This is the time when we discuss your take. Let's start with O'Brien. O'Brien has the hots for Neela, obviously. Yeah, it's clear that he Obviously. Does. You don't talk about your coworker that much unless you're trying to you're, unless you're, you fantasize about banging him or whatever. Um He's also still power play, O'Brien. He straight puts his hand on that dude who doesn't sell him a jumja and snatches him up. He puts hands on him. That is very true. He just grabs him and he goes, You son of a and it's like, oh dang, bro. It's just think... a jumja stick. Like, chill a little bit. But yeah, he has a Bajoran friend, but I think he wants to bang her. Anyway. Um, Keiko has the right to be upset about Wynn's intrusion, but also is kind of snide about it. And then she's real aggressive with Kira when they're in Cisco's office. Kira uh, goes, well, actually, I uh, kind of agree with Wynn. And she goes at her. And it's like, well, relax, Keiko. Let's, I know you're the Empress, but let's just talk about it. Quietly. Um... Her, her sassy grandma, right before she died, told her, "Don't take, don't take no shit from no Bajorans now." That's right. That was her parting. I parting hate Bajorans and religious people of all kinds. <laughs> right. Now I die. Yeah. Uh, and then I put, "Uh oh, Kira is an evolution denier." I assume she's got to lose points for that because she's all in on a team win. She's like, "Uh, well, some would say that if you're teaching a scientific view without a spiritual back backing, that that's a philosophy." And it's like, shut up. Um, yes, assholes would say that, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Cisco is, surprise, not willing to play along as Emissary in the beginning of this episode. Probably yep. feels like it'll be a lot of work. Yeah, is he afraid that if he takes a runabout into the wormhole and shouts, is anybody in here, they're just not going to answer, <laughs> and it's just going to make him look crazy? That's right. Like maybe the first one didn't happen. I just think he's generally not into working on this show, and he's yeah. afraid that if he embraces that role, there's going to be lots of stuff to do. No, no, I'm not. I'm not emissary, though. I'm really not. I don't. Uh, you can just call call me Cap. Don't call me Captain. Go call me Commander. Call me Ben, because I feel like you won't ask me to do stuff if you just call me Ben. 
Uh, but he does teach Jake to respect other people's religious beliefs. Um, then he goes fucking Ronald Reagan on those striking Bajorans, though. That is true. He's like, oh, really? You're on strike? Get the fuck out of here. Um, we'll get some new air traffic controllers. I assume that's what you're referencing. Yes. The only, the only strike that I know about is in Babylon 5, so. Sorry, yeah. Not, we're not talking about that one right now. That's That's its own. We should do a pod about just that episode. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I got the feeling he was really sick of dealing with Bajor until late in the episode when he starts to get into it. But somebody should tell him that you get out what you put in, you know? Oh, that's very true. Yeah. Jake is a bigot. Yeah. But he's also... He's, it's 12. He's also right. That's true. We're hitting hard in this episode, dog. Um... But he's also wrong in Star Trek, thanks to Ron Moore. Because this is all going to take on a very religious tint. Yeah, I, I listen, I super don't want to get into what's going to happen. I know, I, it's I not a fair... I don't want to hear the word PW until we have to talk about it. <laughs> Alright, okay. Um, that Jumja guy offended Odo's sense of justice. Yeah, he did. Odo was not into that yeah. racism. Um, Listen, we have to imagine that the Cardassians and Bajorans are pretty weird to Odo, and we just don't see it. Yeah, I don't get the feeling that peop- that other aliens are more open-minded than the Starfleets are. So yeah, yeah Odo's probably had just a hard time in general. He's had to, he's, he's, there, someone has not sold him something before. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I wouldn't sell to a goddamn freak like you. Um, I was less happy with the people than you were in this episode. I gave it a four. Okay. Well... I mean, it's still scored pretty high yeah. for for you overall. Um, while I do the math, how about some quick hitters? Mm. Jake is a kiss-ass in class. Oh, the, the wormhole. Oh, shut up. <laughs> shut, no one cares. Um, hey, when you're a school teacher, in, like in real life, does that mean you should expect randos to just show up and start blowing up your shit? Like, it's not like Vedic Wynn is the principal, sitting in on class or whatever. She just barged in and wrecked Empress Keiko's fucking lesson. Yeah, I guess, but, you know, probably, uh, probably if you're, well, A, there's, there's no school. It's just this one room. (laughs) Right. It's just one room and a few old computers. So, it's not like she has to check in at the desk. I just, I... Uh, but B, if a cardinal showed up, you'd probably, would be like, what's the proto, I mean, this... I would have been like, hey, can I help you? What's up? What can I do for you? She just keeps going, and the wind just keeps interjecting. Like, every other sentence, she's like, well, I disagree! Fuck that lady. Um, guess what my favorite thing about Star Trek is? Do you not have what a guess? Is, it's turning is... Technobabble into Deltron lyrics. Okay, yes, yeah, so you must the have fusion some. reactor went down. Reinitialize the isolinear coprocessor. Use an EJ7 interlock on the security seal. Begin encryption subprogram ANA. Yep. That's essentially what most... That of... could all have been from one of the later tracks on <laughs> Deltron 3030. It's like, why do they write so much technobabble? I-, I know that they want it to make the world feel real. It, well, it fails in that area for sure and here is here is my thought in tos what makes it feel real in my opinion and i think you can probably guess this based on the 50 times i've pointed shit like this out so far uh, the command packet yes yeah that's right, right? yeah yeah 
all of all of the things that reference the operations of the ship and make them seem like something that could happen in our world. Yeah, how do things how do people go about getting things done? Not what is the specific technology they are using to get it done. In almost every episode Kirk signs a report. Yep. Someone brings something to him and he initials it. Right? That does feel they like have, real life. A yeoman brings coffee onto the bridge most episodes. Yes. Anytime there's some sitting around, a yeoman has Mainly coffee. because she's worried about the captain and wants to make sure she, he keeps his energy she wants up. to make sure she used a hand phaser to heat it. But still. Um, it's n- we, don't have to, we don't have to understand how anything works in Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, like it doesn't... One, it doesn't help me understand how anything works. For one. Because it's just random nonsense that is completely inconsistent and made up every time. And two, it just wastes time and it's stupid. I, I just write more show. Write a plot. But the Deltron lyrics. That's true. All right. Uh, ever notice how people in Starfleet take the deaths of their comrades really well? Like, not just the yeah. last episode we talked about security guard dies. No one even talks about it. But O'Brien, yeah, this guy got murdered and his body got vaporized. <laughs> yeah, O'Brien's just telling Keiko about it while they're in line trying to buy a Jumja stick, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I guess some kind of accident. I just straight ran into his remains. Anyway, Jumja stick." And she doesn't seem very worried about it either. Nobody takes it hard. TNG, in sometimes when they want to make an episode about it, like when uh, Marla Astor dies or something, like they'll go at it. But most of the time, people are just like, "Yeah, no, another guy died. Not a big deal." Uh, let's see. When racist as fuck, she sees two humans together, so they must be married. Yeah. Like Empress Keiko would marry a lumpy jerk like Miles Edward O'Brien. Uh, she probably can't think of another reason that those two would be hanging out. <laughs> no, she's pretty sharp. She got that one right. Like, she can tell that he doesn't like her cooking. <laughs> Just from looking at them. And that she does she, know people. She doesn't want to eat potatoes every meal. She knows people, and she could sense all of those vibes. <laughs> she, could, she could also tell by the way they were walking... That an alien tried to take his their baby, and O'Brien was like, mm, "No, maybe? I'd rather not." Yeah, I don't know. I mean, may- maybe she can feel that heat. She's a she's a very political person, and I think that means she's a good reader of people. It could be. Uh, I was suggesting worst actor Vedic Barail, but I'll leave it to you. Oh, um, no, that's what I gave it to. Okay, he and Avery Brooks had no chemistry. Yep. At one point, he's I, supposed to finish Cisco's sentence. But, you know, he couldn't. Because they're not good at acting. There's like a long delay between when Cisco stops talking and when Burial jumps in. Yeah, I may have something about that in my quick mm, Yeah. Uh, very dramatic timing on that school bombing, just as Odo was commenting on how peculiar it is that nothing's happened since the security breach. Yep. As he's like saying the word peculiar, it blows up. Um, in the In the assassination scene... Slow motion, no's. We're still okay in the 90s, I guess. Yep. You could still, still get away with it then. Still do that. I mean, now you could too, but only in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and it'd be a joke. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if Kira knows it was Wynn's plan in the you end of the episode, about it? They're, they're not going to bother investigating. She just goes, oh, she got away with it. It's like, oh. They're not even, not even going to interrogate Neela. Like, yeah, now for now she's shouting that the prophets have spoken or whatever. Yeah, but... But, like, in real life, a couple of days to think about it. Yeah, in real life, you would definitely get to the bottom of that situation. Mm-hmm. But they just go, no, oh, I guess we'll never know. We'll never be able to prove it. It's like, oh, great. Okay. So that's all I had. 
Um, let's see. I know they're just big popsicles, but Jumja sticks look hella gross. I wouldn't. I don't want to eat. How would you even eat it? I feel like it would get all over your <coughs> chin and shit. Yeah, they're so lumpy and disgusting. Ugh. I don't like it. Oh. Um, also, Keiko goes. It's too sweet, and generally, I agree. I don't have a sweet tooth at all. So. Yeah, a popsicle can definitely be too sweet. Yeah. They're supposed to be a little bit refreshing, or else why bother? Um, I thought I remembered that Vedic Win was a straight up asshole. So. <laughs> Oh, good. Uh, See, this is what's great, is that you your uh, memory of DS9 is not much. That's right. And so stuff so that I, I take for granted, like, oh, there's Vedic Wynn, that, or there's, uh, yeah, Vedic Wynn, that bitch. It was enough that I recognized her as Vedic Wynn. I'm like, I think that's Vedic Wynn. And then I was like, I, I think she's an asshole. And then she started right away being an asshole, and I was like, yeah, got it. <laughs> got that one right. I did indeed remember that. Yeah. Uh, Cisco's got a good point. These wormhole aliens are basically the universe's most legit prophets. Yeah, except at this point in the show, it's not clear whether they are trying to be. Right. Or whether they just, like, have some orbs and Bajor got most of them. But, like, whoever is like, uh, yeah, but, but prophets? And he's like, but the future is the same as the past to them, so. <laughs> yeah, prove, yeah. Talk about I that mean, one, Jake. I mean, that's basically profits. What do you got, so. Jake? Kiss ass. Um, and I wrote, yeah, Vedic Burial, when Cisco says grab my and points to his ear, it's pretty <laughs> safe to guess that he was going to finish that sentence with ear. But he's not good at it. No. <laughs> You're going to grab my ear? It's like, oh, boy. Oh, I thought you were going to grab my... Huh? Huh? <laughs> Pointing. Pointing here. It's like... They couldn't do another take where he where he was a little bit cleaner on that one. Oh boy. Uh Bashir runs in and says, I finished my DNA trace, and then he says a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with DNA. <laughs> that was that was just an the, unrelated the aside. Cellular membranes prove that he was shot with a phaser before he was put in the court. It's like, Jesus, man, that ain't DNA. I know the OJ trial was just a few years ago and people are still pretty skeptical about this whole thing. But um oh, man. come on, Hold science on consultant. Hold on a second. The OJ trial happened yet. Season oh. 1, DS9. Shit, maybe not. Hold on now, now I'm... Season 1 was 93. So this is 94 probably when this is wrapping up. Yeah, no, I mean, it was all contained in 93. Because of when was it started. It season Yeah, it was a weird... It's only 19 episodes because oh. of when it started. So, yeah, dude, I think the OJ trial is like 94, 95? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, they. I guess they did expect that to pass. Yep. Or probably no one on the writing staff knew that that didn't make well, any sense. Well, that's just the medical version of Technobabble. They just went, I don't know, say some stuff about medical stuff. It is, but usually with the Technobabble, they say stuff that's, say stuff that's completely made up. <laughs> right. So that they, you know, like, duratanium can be anything. That's right. Your, your ears don't catch that and go, I don't think that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Said gravitation to automatic. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I guess I don't know what it means, but sure. I don't know. I don't know why it would ever not be on automatic. Don't but it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, don't adjust it manually. It feels like a lot of work. Um, Odo must be bored because he latches onto a very small piece of a mystery hard. Yeah, he hasn't. Um, he hasn't had any like smug, evil, terrible, horrible smugglers that Quark has brought on the station recently. Speaking of which, Quark tells him that he should know he's not a killer. I absolutely believe Quark would kill. 100% he's a killer. We know he consorts with killers. We know, first of all, he's arranged meetings with, definitely with mercenaries. Yeah. 
and big time sex trafficker, he probably would kill. Yeah, for sure he would. Yeah. For for money. Uh, it just seems like that would be an insane place for that guy to draw the line. <laughs> yeah, why didn't Odo go, I'm sorry, what? I'll do everything, but I won't kill. Like, uh, no, I do not believe that. Uh, and then I didn't come out of this liking Burial any more than I liked Win. Yeah, he's very political. He, he's he like, oh, I can't help you. Shows up on DS9 to score a point. Yeah, he's like, oh, I can't help you because it's not politically expedient to help you. Like, he just straight mm. tells him. And then. Win was counting on that behavior. Yeah, and then as soon as the bomb goes off, he like, shows up out of nowhere, like, hey, uh, I'm here to help. Remember, remember when you invited me <laughs> yeah. to the station? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's supposed to be, like, just as political, but maybe not as much of an asshole. And, and this was. This is the, the one of the main. One of the areas where this episode could have been improved was Brile is so political and slimy that it doesn't make sense why Cisco wants him there. It's like he literally was able to differentiate between him and Wynn right away. Like, his senses are working really well, and he goes, all right, they're both super political, but this one's evil. Right. <clears throat> like, this one's an evil bitch, and this other guy's just, like, a, a greasy politician. Just a, a standard old politician. Yeah. Ah, uh, I gave best actor to Vedic Win, maybe. Well, I don't know. As good as anybody. And worse, definitely to Vedic Burial. He is a problem. I thought I had remembered that he was played by Duncan Regeer. No, that's a different guy. I'm very disappointed that he's not. Don't worry, he'll still show up on the DS9. He's just I, not that. I'm guy. just like so wildly disappointed. Yeah, because he's going to be a recurring character. Spoiler alert, everybody! And by like the ninth time you see this guy, you go, "Really? <laughs> they they should have killed him because of his bad acting. They should have killed him immediately." Come, this isn't going to work, guys. We need to come up with a different story because this is garbage. I think I I think I do remember how his story wraps up, though. Yeah. So we'll see if that comes true okay. in uh, several episodes, Matthew. I gave this episode uh, 26 points. Whoa! Uh, that's the highest I've ever scored an episode. Man. Now, I originally had it at a 25, which would have been a tie, but I talked myself up a point. <laughs> you did? Yeah, I didn't ask you to do it. In world building. Wow. Well, all right, dude. You gave it 23. Yeah, I thought it was fine. So you didn't think it was bad either. And that puts it one point ahead oh, of Heart of Glory. Fuck. And in a great position for DS9 to get its first win. Oh, fuck! It's season finale, too. Shit. Yep. All right, well, let's see what the back the back end of this week gave us, then. Cause that's right. That's we, crazy. We still got still two chances to unseat it. There's no way we could have a 48, a 49, and a 50-plus. Like, that can't be. Well, it would definitely make it the best week. All right, we'll find out. It's already There's already a strong possibility that this will be the highest-scoring week with a 48 and a 49, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, we also watched Elogium. Yeah. I mean, arguably, that was the best part of this episode. Yep, uh, yeah, well, certainly not the name. They're really bad at naming episodes, huh? Well, uh, they're just yeah, like here's I mean, a very specific thing from only this episode that you'll never remember: Cathaxis, Jatrell, Elosium. They just—they're very—they're not poetic. The titles of these episodes. All right, dog. Uh, Chakotay runs into some crewmen making out on the turbo lift, and because he's now the most Starfleet of all Starfleet officers, he is real worried about it and won't let it go. Wants to talk about it the rest of the episode. Yep. Um, so while he's trying to figure out what they're going to do about, um, you know, fraternization among the crew, since they're going to be on this ship for a very long time, 
they run into some very familiar aliens. Familiar in so many ways. Um, these aliens are trapping them, and they're part of space, and they don't know how to escape them. And the aliens are also having an effect on Kess. They make her go into weird space puberty. And she grows like a baby sack on her back. And then she's like, I want to have a baby. And Neelix is like, you can't have a damn baby. And then they're like, okay, all right, you can have a baby. But then they escape from the aliens and she doesn't have a baby. Yeah. So. Yeah, they get pulled into the swarm like in the episode where Troy loses her powers. Uh Uh-huh, and what else were those aliens like? Uh, I mean, they were like a, you know, two-dimensional... Yeah, so they were like the two-dimensional beings that that yeah. cra- went, fucked with Troy's powers and kept the ship trapped. They yeah. were also almost exactly like the aliens that Jordy and Leah Brahms have to save the ship yep. from. Yeah, a little bit like Power Play. Yeah, 100%. So, no, yep. uh, uh, what was the name of the one? Was that... Um, it wasn't Power Play, it was... Um... Not Power Play, Jesus. Um... No, not Booby Trap. Um... Yeah, I, no, I fucking... I thought I wrote it down. What did I write? Uh, well, it's the one with Leah Brahms. It's the second Leah Brahms. Where they Leah gotta Brahms sour Boogaloo. the milk. Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo. Galaxy's Child, <laughs> No, right? no. Electric Boogaloo is better. <laughs> it is better. Leah Brahms it's ga- too. It's, Galaxy's, Electric it's Galaxy's Child. I actually okay. wrote it in my synopsis. I just yeah. wasn't sure where I wrote it down. Yeah. Uh, it's like, hey, it's, it's, come on, Voyager. I know you've been doing it the whole season. The in- We'll get into it. Whatever. What did you think this show was about? Is there any such thing as the right time to bring a child into the world? Are you ever ready? Boy, I feel like we had almost the exact same thing. Uh, it's a reasonable problem that a large proportion of the population will face or have faced, but it doesn't. We don't need Star Trek to address it. It's like one-fifth of all episodes of any sitcom are about this. Yeah, that's true. Um, we can just, There's no issues here that we can't discuss directly in the media. This is very different from the religion yeah. thing that just happened in Deep Space Nine, where we kind of still need science fiction for that. Agreed. To talk about how faith is manipulated and so on, to avoid offending idiots. Yeah, I feel like the take, hey, think really hard about whether or not you want to have kids is already something that's pretty well right. it's out there. So, again, it's pre- it's a fairly universal take. The problem is that we don't need Star Trek for it, so I give it a four. Wow. We agree, like, exactly. I give it a four. Um, yeah. I think you're right. Like, yes, it is much more applicable to daily life than the time travel one, for instance. Yes. But... By the way, I also gave the time travel one, like, a two, so there you go. <laughs> right. But at the same time, like you said, so what? Like, we know. Yeah. Is there going to be an episode where it's like, don't worry about it, just have as many kids, don't even think about it? That episode yeah, like, will I, never I, happen. Like, I can't imagine in 98 or whenever this aired, that was problematic yeah so i give it a four as well i said the take should be stop fucking exploring just stop would only been like 95 or 96 it should have been knock it off don't do it anymore it's really not working just try to go home yeah then i have having children's not a spur of the moment decision but must be considered closely i was gonna go with is it moral to have children in deep space but they all come down on the same side i think on that one and the episode's more about being thoughtful and making sure shit's planned out rather than just crossing that bridge when you come to it Yep, All of Chakotay's agreed. shit about the crew kind of mixes with that as well. But it feels like a real no shit, who cares kind of take. Um, yeah, that's the big problem with the episode. I mean, I didn't score everything high, but that this, I think, it, we don't need Voyager to touch this. Execution. Uh, this is a cheesy retread plot. Right? They yep. Oh, there's aliens who live in space? Let's go explore them. Like, we already know we've met so many aliens that live in space. Like, enough. 
Who cares? And then what the aliens do to him is exactly what we already talked about. Two TNG episodes mixed into one. <clears throat> I don't think this baby thing was a great A plot. I think it would have been better just as a B plot. With the you know what I mean? With the crew fraternization aspect leading the conversation. If you're gonna Correct. go with that. Yeah. Um that seems to have more implications with what they're dealing with in their specific situation. The Kess has to have a baby plot feels kind of forced, and then in the end she doesn't um, have to have one anyway, so it's pretty toothless. Uh, I thought Kess, her performance, I, I generally separate performance from characterization. I thought Kess was fine after the flower-eating scene, where she was pretty comical. Oh, that I thought was her best scene. Oh, really? So we're in a different boat. All right, okay. One. I thought she was fine. Um, the characters were considerate and um, contemplative. But otherwise, it was pretty average. I gave it a four. Okay. I think that's pretty fair. But I will surprise you. So, uh, I gave it an eight. What? Hold on. Sorry. The, what? Sorry. The, <laughs> the A plot, which I identify as the Kess plot. Yeah. And the C plot, Voyager's attitude towards reproduction as a whole. Yeah. Obviously, are pretty strongly connected. And even the B-plot with the aliens is, in some senses, about reproduction. Mm -hmm. So they all tie together, which I always like. Okay. I thought it was nice to show two different kinds of pressure to reproduce. Okay. So Cass's pressure is medical. And that's the kind of pressure that people do face. Okay. Right? It's exaggerated for her because science fiction, but a a lot of women find themselves in a place where they have to make a decision. Do do I want to have a child now? Yeah. Or am I going to sort of put this dream to bed. That part makes sense, except for if you're talking about the windows that women can have a baby, it usually isn't because they they aren't even in puberty yet or whatever. And they Well, that sucks for sure. That sucks on ice. Like, but... the, women in real life have a lot of time to think about it, and still sometimes yes. they find themselves in a situation where they're like, oh, I gotta have it now or not, you know? Yeah. So. Um, but I mean, there are, there are other reasons why one might have sudden time pressure. Like, you might have cancer and you might have yep. to decide if you're going to... Yeah, anyway, there's lots of stuff. Um, and then, of course, the... How is the ship going to handle this is a different type of pressure to have children. But um, I did give it minus two for foot stuff, so it ends up at a six. <laughs> yeah, there was a pretty extended scene where the doctor is doing that act. He didn't... <laughs> Thankfully, there were no oils involved. Oh, boy. So I didn't actually puke in my mouth. Oh, boy, that was close. (laughs) My keyboard does not have that sweet Totoro protector on it, and that would have been (laughs) really bad. Yeah, I thought about the Devon... Oh, boy, that Devon Honey Raw episode is not sitting well right now. I ate a burrito earlier. Um, This is not a good sign. Um... So, I don't know, was it was it cavalier and easy for me to award it eight points initially because I knew it was going to get that deduction? <laughs> Maybe. But That's it ended fine. up a six either way. That's fine. What about world building? What did you get out of this thing? Uh, world building, not that much, actually. So, uh, since when does Warp Drive have exhaust, I wrote. Mm. That didn't turn out to be super important. And then all the stuff about Acompa mating, which is even worse than Vulcan mating mm. and makes... Uh, makes even less sense, and in fact, maybe makes no sense at all. That's good. There's a possibility that it doesn't make sense mathematically. Oh boy. So, I gave it three for world building. I really didn't have much that I thought was interesting. Maybe you found some highlights? No, I gave it fewer points than you did. Okay. 
<laughs> I gave it a two. Wait, hold on, though. So explain the math problem to me. So, okay, so they don't okay, live so very she, long. She's going to have one chance in her whole life to have a child. Yeah, let's start. Yeah, let's start. And every single time she refers to it, she refers to it as if it's going to be a single birth. Okay. So that's a big, big problem. Yeah, because your maximum, the, your very maximum output as a, a species is one, right? That's it. You're gonna get. You're gonna. You're. You're gonna have one. One per woman. Max per woman. So, let's say that it. They're. We don't really know. Let's say they're distributed crazy and they're ninety percent women. Yeah. That means every generation is gonna be ten percent smaller at least. So then, how the hell did they get there? Pregnancy is successful than the previous generation. One. How did they get there? They must have had some kind of biological change at some point. Yep. And two. What now? exactly it's a big problem for them you know voyager uh the caretaker whole thing happened and they just fucked off with kes uh shit might not be going great for the okampa no i assume things are not going super well i don't know did they find his wife to take care of them or something i forget how caretaker wrapped up Uh, the okampa just just fucked are they just fucked no they're just fucked so their shield that was like protecting them is gone and they're just like i don't know he's he's, i think he says something like they're just gonna have to figure it out they have to grow up and it's like, oh boy, okay, this is a good system. Um, I'm glad you explained that math problem, because I had not considered that. But yeah, that's yeah, not, that's it, not it so do- good. So it doesn't work out. In other words, it's not at replacement level. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, anyway, so I gave it a two. Um, I don't think you can wriggle your way through space, like the near vacuum of space. No, it would have been nice if they said something about how their internal organs generated subspace fields or something, but no. No, no they just wriggle. Yep. Uh, space-dwelling monsters again that can eat non-organic matter this time. That's the big difference, I guess. Uh, who cares? Um, there's something called targ scoops, where you, <laughs> you you put on the front of your thing and you, you get the targs out of the way. It's a, it's a cow catcher. Yep, but a targ scoop. Um, all the gross elogium shit. Elogium, by the name of the episode, that's the name of her puberty thing. That's her special puberty. Yeah. It's by the way, it's a combination of puberty and menopause. It's both. It's everything in one. They they have very short lifespans, don't they? Say they only live to be like nine or something. Yes, it's both menarchy and menopause. So they just do it all in one shot, I guess. Um, yeah, like, they only live to be nine, and she's not even two yet. Yeah, they got baby sacks and uh, all that shit. For fuck's sake, on their back. So I assume they fucking burst out of their Suriname toad stuff. Uh, all right, so um. <laughs> Only able to have babies once, yep. Uh, have they told us before that Voyager's mission was only supposed to take three weeks? I don't remember whether they told us that. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, are these the same? It's in the pilot. They don't talk about it a lot, but it is in the pilot. For a while, I had the, the question, literally, are these the exact fucking creatures that Jordy and the Abrams fight off? Because it was all very familiar, down to even changing colors like them. and everything. Yeah. And they feed on start feeding on the ship's rays, which yeah. is not great. I couldn't score it highly because most of what we saw on this was retread and not good, and I gave it a two in world building. So. Did you did you think the characterization was any better? Let's start with Neelix. Uh, jealous Neelix? Not fun to watch. That's true. I think it would work on a darker show, but it don't work on this show. Yeah, it really doesn't. It's kind of weird. Um, and he is not all in on making a baby with Cass. Until he is. And it seems yeah. like it's actually all about what he wants. Well, he has one conversation with Tuvok, and then... Then he's all in. But either way, the whole episode is about what Neelix wants, and not a whole lot to do with what Kes wants. And even though it sounds like Marjan is talking through my mouth, it's not about you, Neelix. It's a woman's having a baby, you jerk. 
Chakotay is very worried about fraternization. Yeah. Because he is, like I said, the most Starfleet of all of them now. Uh, let's run it back three or four weeks. He did definitely used to have a relationship with one of his Maquis crew members. Oh, though, right? maybe he's maybe he has a weird thing about that because she turned out to be a Cardi. Yeah. Maybe that's turned him off of uh, workplace romance. I thought it was straight up Fresca, wasn't it? It was Fresca, dude. And but now he's all about the fucking rules. Oh, um, or alternate theory is it because he needed an opening to try to fuck Janeway? Uh, like that's it, by the way absolutely what's happening in this episode like inside and past the vulva area like all just in <laughs> like who wants to like really legitimately put his penis in her like act like actual actual by anyone's definition sexual intercourse yeah i think maybe he just like hey i saw two crew members kissing and this makes me want to have this conversation with you it's really important we should really consider what how he wants should. to have the only kind of sex that john c Riley's character in the little hours does not consider sodomy <laughs> that's right <laughs> Uh, we both saw that film, by the way, everybody. And you, by the way, go ahead and see it. Yeah, it's fine. For a computer program, the doctor gets very sensitive. Yeah. Why was he programmed to be crazy? Thanks, everybody. Why, who? Well, Barkley did it. Thanks, Barkley. Wait, did Barkley really do it, or was that a weird fever dream? I think we have to assume that Barkley's image came from somewhere, and he must really have been involved. Okay. Spoiler alert, we'll find out. Um... I feel like a lot of stuff happens to Kess, but I have nothing to say about her character from this episode. Like, she, so she went through a lot. You know, I didn't write anything about Kess in the characterization piece either. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, think I mean, I mentioned her, but I didn't... Nothing specifically about her characterization. Like, this episode was all about this thing happening to her, and we both got nothing out of it in terms of what it meant about her, and I think these writers are not necessarily killing it. Yeah. They're, they're really giving her a Tasha Yar performance here. Tasha Yar role. Uh, Tuvok likes to eat alone. Janeway is thoughtful as always, but I feel like she's not really engaged much these days. <laughs> she does. She really delegates and then forgets about shit. So I gave it a four. All right. Well, you liked it a little better than me. I gave it a three for characterization. Um, the revelation that Cass is still a child really sours me on Neelix. He's really desperate to fuck her until he finds out they might have to make a baby together. Like, their whole history together is definitely less than two years, because she ain't even two. Yeah, dog. Did she... She looks like a human adult now. Did she look like that when they met? He's grooming her. How fast do they grow up? He's grooming her. He's grooming her, for sure. And that is not acceptable. Did they not have a discussion about how she's is not fertile yet? Is it, look, maybe there are enough species in the universe <laughs> where puberty and fertility are two different events. Yeah, maybe. That it's not a thing for them, but like, say something about it, maybe. Wouldn't you believe this little creeper is so just a TNG, TNG would have given us two analogs for that. That's right. Data would have talked about two other species that do that. That's right, exactly correct. That's why we know the hey, by the aliens way, have four-person marriages. He would have mentioned one alien species that we'd previously heard of but didn't know this about, and then a new species. That's right. That's exactly how they would have done it. You're right. Uh, so anyway, that, that doesn't make me feel great about Neelix. Uh, I thought the Doctor was weirdly less human in this one than in previous episodes. Like, he does not know how to give her advice at all. No, but he's giving her that foot, that foot rub. Hmm? Yeah, oh yeah, he does. He does. He does give her that. Both feet. Both oh, of them get in there. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of feet. 
Yeah, they switch feet at some point in there. And we get to see it from two angles. Look, I'm not anti-feet, shot, but I don't want it in my Star shot. Trek. Keep him out of there. Stop it. I also thought Janeway's attempt to be motherly to Kess was not... It didn't land. It, it fell flat to me. Yeah. I've... Like, yes, you put your arms out awkwardly for a hug. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I thought... And then, you, and then you stood there and kind of leaned away from her. I thought crazy Jennifer Lean was much better in that scene than... Uh... Yeah, than this was Kate Mulgrew. This was not Mul- Kate Mulgrew's best scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I was thinking back to in one of the early episodes, she has some reservation about her interactions with the crew and stuff like that. And she straight up says how much she wants to be their mom. Yeah, but she's not she's not motherly here, and it's fine that she's not motherly, except that she's making an attempt here, and it doesn't work for me. Yeah, I agree. So. All around, I thought only about a three for characterization. Um, By the way, I think it's telling we both got to Janeway last, because she's just not... Yeah. She's involved in the alien plot on the bridge, going like, how do we get away from these aliens? But Ben Ben had less to say about this episode than, than most of them. He actually did give it a seven for the take. Um, although it seems his like it was... take is responsibilities toward and for the future. I think that's what... I think he was focused more on the Chakotay yeah. elements. Um, but he gave it a three for execution, saying it was uh, blah and fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, a three for world building. Essentially, reproduction didn't make any sense. Um, and a three for characterization. Threes, man. Um, he liked aggressive Taurus. Um, in this one. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I mean, again, we sort of all agree. Yep, not so much. Not um, a very good one. Quick hitters. Uh, shit, is it my turn? Yeah, you can go. Feel free. Are we, are we pretending that we don't do this, that we don't take turns on these things? I, we, we take turns until we don't. We can take we turns here. We don't anchor leg on these. Um, why does why does Kess look so angry in that? first scene that those two engineers were making out like she's standing in the back of the turbo lift but she has an actual mad look on her face maybe she's some kind of prude she hasn't uh, hit her pu- uh, pu- pubesis hello Jims. that is true um neelix don't give janeway a cabbage salad hold on a second dude she hasn't eloged yet she hasn't eloged <laughs> all right yeah cabbage salad yeah not amazing uh, my guess about three minutes in was that there was a horniness virus in the air. Thankfully, not what happened. Yeah, that could, I would not have enjoyed that. I'm sure that'll happen five more times during this project, though. Yeah, well, I mean, it would have been the third naked time, right? Would have been the the naked elogium, is what they would have had to call that one. <laughs> uh, same shot of Kess scooping beetles twice. I guess Jennifer Lean didn't want to do that more than once. But those real beetles? I don't know how it works. Oh, when, happened, when she was scooping the them. Shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not when she ate them, right? Yeah, I assume when she ate them, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, do you think this scene of Kess jamming food into her mouth is somebody's fetish? Yes. Yep. Dude, there was foot rubbing in this episode. That's a good point. That's, that's, this whole thing point. was somebody's fetish. They were uh, marketing to the fetish community with also, this Also, by the way, whoever wrote this was like, because I'm, I'm writing this, because like, one time I was in a relationship with a girl and she was only 15, and we should explore that. <laughs> like, what? Stop it! Um, and I, I, she did foot stuff, which was awesome, and we we all, we brought food into bed, too. Fuck that guy. Whoever wrote this should be murdered. 
Is that a strong enough take? What is the TV episode where they make the writer appear at the end to explain that he wrote? The oh, th- that was a well, that was a community one, right? Yes, about fu- about fucking your cousin or whatever. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the guy had to had to come on and say that he was the writer who wrote the episode about incest. Yes, <laughs> they they agreed to do the episode if he would agree to appear on screen. <laughs> yeah, that was that really strong comeback season for, on Yahoo for uh, for community. That Yahoo season was was seriously was pretty good, was and it's a surprised. shame. It's a shame that nobody downloaded Yahoo Screen and watched it. I was very surprised because the Gas Leak season obviously was not very good without the main showrunners. And then when they came back, the fifth season was like they were had to find it again. Like it wasn't 100%. Right. But then season six was awesome. Anyway. And it, which is, I mean, considering that they had to introduce two new characters. Yeah. And I liked <coughs> them both. They did good. Yeah, no, it was good. That was a very good season of Community. And the endings of those shows are so good. Yes. I mean, the guy pile of bullets. Um, <laughs> yeah, all the, the stuff with the Japanese. The, the all the stuff with the Japanese kid and his dad. Yeah, uh, yeah. The incest episode. I mean, it's just it's very strong. Someday we'll those. do our project with um, Community um, Wings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, name your sitcoms. It's fine, and we'll do one just like this, but with those sitcoms. Oh my god, a head-to-head between Community and Wings. And, but if we do that, we have to remove this episode from the feed so no one ever knows why we do, how we came to that conclusion, right. that we should compare those two shows. That's right, we don't want there to be a genesis that... I want everyone to wonder that forever. Yeah. Not just that I thought that uh, that you proposed it and I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> um, how can Kess erect a force field that no one can lower? Yeah. Oh, by the way, no one attempts to, but... Her nurse skills are uh, really uh-huh. coming on strong these days. Um, this is the show that is the most concerned with, like, who has codes and access and shit of any of the Star Treks. Mm-hmm. Janeway's going to split her command codes when they don't know what's happening and stuff like that. Right. But uh, but no, Kess can put a force field up and for no other reason than to give Janeway an excuse to talk her down and be motherly. Yeah. Was, the whole scene doesn't do any business. It was not good. Not good at all. And then, of course, was the revelation that Kess is prepubescent, and I just wrote how extremely nasty. It's not good. Uh, if each Ocampo woman can only have one child, the math doesn't work out at all. Uh, so then Janeway and Chakotay have this discussion about how they're going to have to start having kids. Holy shit, shouldn't they have been thinking about that when they all decided not to live with Amelia Earhart on planet No More Aliens? Yeah, that, that which I felt was really tacked on in that episode, that should have been the time when they were thinking about these long-term questions for sure. Or by then, certainly. Uh, yeah. She, um, she tries to get him out of the swarm at uh, a speed that has that we already know is one fifteen thousandth of the speed the swarm is moving. <laughs> They're moving three thousand kilometers a second. She tells them to get out of there. They can make two hundred kph. Yeah. Woof. Also, she does the thing that everyone does when they're because they don't know how to write because the writers are bad. Um, where she just keeps increasing power. Just like, more power, more power! Even though the first 19 times it made things worse. And you're like, yep. alright, we get it. Like, we at home get it, so the captain can get it now, right? She can go, oh, I guess that's not gonna work. Uh, Chakotay is the only person on this ship who has seen Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. 
is that because he's an Indian? Yeah. Is this a racist thing that's happening? But of course. Okay, but they don't explicitly say it. No, but I think we're supposed to get it. I think we all came to the same conclusion. It's a, it's 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 very bad. Yeah. It's extremely bad. Yep. Um. Uh, interesting to me that Neelix is worried about Tom Paris when this episode and many previous episodes uh, continue to signal pretty strongly that he should be worried about the Doctor. Yeah, who on this one is all over her feet. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't throw up again, so that was pretty and, good. <laughs> and Kukes reminds him, in very plain language, she considers a person. <laughs> That's good to know. I mean, I guess if she's going to sleep with somebody who's not Neelix, she should consider them a person first, so that's a good yeah. starting point. Well, I mean, clearly Neelix doesn't, and that's why he's not worried. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Also, uh, as we mentioned, between episodes one and two of this series, Tom Paris's hairline took a big hit, so... <laughs> well, that's true, maybe too. Maybe nothing to worry about. It's going to wind the jealousy back a little. Yeah. Um, That's my quick hitters. I'm sure you've got some. Hey, those kissing crewmen kept their mouths open for a really long time after they got caught. <laughs> kind of like I always do after I kiss. I like to leave my mouth open for 30 seconds after a sloppy kiss. I like to air it out. Yeah, yeah. it's a little aeration. It's good, it's good for your mouth. Um, did Neelix hurt his face on that cabbage? How did he that do that? That's a fair question. I feel like you could slap somebody with a piece of cabbage as hard as you like without hurting them. Um... I say, but oh shit, Jennifer Lean's actor's secret is back again. <laughs> Eating bugs this time. <laughs> and was her acting in the scene where Neelix takes her to take, takes her to sickbay supposed to be comedic? Because she was, like, making crazy eyes and eating those flowers? Um, let's see. Oh, okay. 2D, 2D Creatures. Uh, that's the episode from TNG with Troy. Uh... And then, like I said again, the other one with Leah Brahms. Least original staff of writers. Um, have you ever had to take a shit as bad as Kess did in that scene where she locked herself behind that behind that force field? I assume she um, really had to shit. It did seem that way. That was shit, shit-taking behavior. Closest I ever came to shitting my pants. Now that's a story. It all started in the winter of 2003. I'll, no, I'll save it. I'll save, I was. I wanted to hear it. I'll save the story about how the time I almost shit my pants. Was the restaurant Subway involved at all? No, no, not this time. A lot of my stories involve Subway, but not this one. Just the ones that are shameful to you. <laughs> but just the way she looked behind that forest field was the way I think I probably looked the day that I almost <laughs> shit my pants. Um, it can be rough. Like your whole body's sweating. Yeah, no, you're like you're in you're it, sweating with the exertion of not shitting your pants. You're in it because if you lose control for like one second, yeah, that's it, dude. You've shat yourself. Um, it really, really makes you understand how easy driving is. How little you're paying attention when you drive, for instance. Yes. When you, yeah, when you put in the max effort of not shitting yourself. Yes. Everything seems easy by comparison. Um. Like you said, it's puberty time, and she needs Mommy Janeway to tell her about periods and stuff. Um, Neelix, she's not even two years old, you fucking perv. He's a real creep. I did the same thing when she said, she, when she said, I'm not even two, I went, what the fuck? Well, here, so here's, this is a big question, and maybe we shouldn't interrupt the quick hitters for this, but what's Neelix's endgame here? 
She's not going to ride this nine. one out for about seven more years. And then let's assume they do have a baby in about another eight years. That baby's going to die. <laughs> oh, what's oh, his fucking uh, end game? I, oh, he... but I know he wants a daughter that looks just like her. Yeah, but she's not going to. She's going to look like half like you, probably. And then I yeah, don't know. Does just... her lifespan increase? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, is he planning to fuck every generation? Oh, God. Yeah, probably. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Spaceborne life forms not new anymore, guys. Fucking Gom two. Fucking encounter at Farpoint aliens. Fucking yep. Leah Brahms aliens. I'm sure TOS had some. Was the Doomsday Machine a living alien? I don't remember. Nah, I think it was a machine, but it, it, it it's almost certainly, and we'll see when we get to it, a weapon that was turned on its own creators. That's very TOS okay. to me because they were very worried about the nuclear stuff. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's a nuclear bomb. One hundred percent. Anyway. Uh, what I'm saying is these machi- these these guys live in space. It happens, and we don't need to keep exploring them. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm afraid now that we're going to have constant references to the fucking um, Wildman pregnancy. Yep. And then eventually baby. Ever the everything that they say happens off screen is going to have to do with the Wildman pregnancy from now on. Yeah. By the way, I was super bummed when they mentioned her, and I was like, oh, I know her from Timelines. Fuck! Timelines is the spoiler. If you play Star Trek Timelines, you will learn things like Section 31 read, and you go, hey! You don't do that. I didn't know that. Stop that. I was going to watch those one day. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, you'll see uh, a Wildman in there, and you'll go, oh. Uh, That's all I had for quick hitters. I mean, they've got Simon Tarsus in there, too. It's not a guarantee that Naomi Wildman's going to be around, but there's like several versions of her, I think, so. Yeah. Uh, so what this thing do? Uh, ben, ben wrote very little. Oh. Let me see if he had any quick hitters on yeah. this one. Uh, what exactly did Kess think she was eating instead of bugs? <laughs> yeah, she was pretty mindless in there. Uh, then he points out that it was a pro-choice stance. But I, I don't even... I mean, yes, it was. Can I say, kind of a reactionary Ben we're seeing this week. Yeah, He's mad about the portrayal of religion. <laughs> yep. He's he's got he's got a, a hot take on the liberal writers. I just I think I think yes they were pro-choice, but I think they also were mainly saying think about it. You know that's not I mean, so bad. Really, I mean people should think about it, even if you... really that is that is what they were saying. They were saying <laughs> there might be higher love. <laughs> think about it. I was actually going with um, uh, Adam Sandler interrupting. Uh, uh, John no. John Stewart's uh, proposal. You're not proposing, are you? Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> Gotta get uh, to the yeah, drums. I am, buddy. Well, think about it. <laughs> this clip's so fucking long. Yeah, this drumming bit's way longer than it should be. All right, I will. That is a good point you made. If you hadn't said think about it first, I would not have thought about it. You're not proposing, are you? Uh, yeah, but I am. Well, think about it. Well, think about it. <laughs> um. Yeah, you're right. I think that is what the writers were doing. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like, okay, yeah. Yes, they probably were pro-choice, but yeah, I think they were making a pretty reasonable request. Just to think Ben's about gonna, it. I'm just saying Ben's going to be wearing a Make America Great Again hat soon. <laughs> Uh, all right. What did what did you have best actor and worst actor on this already? I, I didn't. I did. I said for best actor, I wrote Kess was pretty believably nuts. Yeah, I was into it. I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. 
And uh, for worst actor, I had Aggressive Torres not looking for engineering solutions at all. Now, that's the writer's fault, mostly. Yeah. But did she play it well? But I thought her... I, I still I still thought she was not amazing in this episode. And really, no one else fucked the dog that much, except I didn't think Janeway was real good in that one scene. Yeah. Um, Math-wise. Yeah. What were the maths? I gave this episode 16 points. That doesn't sound that great. Ben gave it 16 points also. You gave it 14 points. That's worse. For a total of 30. Now, that is up six from last week. Last week was... Um... Projections. So that had Bar- to do with um, Barkley. Barkley, yeah. Well, Barkley. fuck, that one was bad. Um, and in fact, Voyager's uh, average through eighteen weeks was thirty point three. So thirty huh. points is is right about there. So a pretty average Voyager episode. It was shitty, which, I, which is average for them. Is yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so not great. Right. We'll see if they come in last. Obviously, they they did worse than tomorrow was yesterday, which was pretty pretty mediocre, all told. Yes, it was. Um, but there's one more to go. This week we watched Oasis. Finally, somebody played my favorite Oasis song. That's right. Man. Boy. Girls and boys, or boys and girls—I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, I love, I love that band Oasis. That's right. <clears throat> Should I have just played track two? <laughs> yeah, I think that would have that would have been more obvious. People don't remember that that's a Blur song that I just played. Uh, I think you're up. I think this is your your oh, expl- uh, episode this is my explanation. Turn to describe it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Enterprise. I asked you to do it because I I forgot what it was. Yeah, Enterprise. Uh, in meeting with a random alien trader. That looked reminded me a little bit of Paylor Toth, but not enough that I think it was supposed to be a Paylor Toth. Nah, some kind of different alien. Rando alien. Uh, they hear about the haunted wreck of a transport ship. Off of a bad start. Uh, containing duritanium and dilithium, and of course they have to investigate. They're not going to leave a haunted ship alone. No, because Mayweather needs to tell his ghost stories or whatever. On board the ship, they find a, a little garden and Constable Odo. Mm-hmm fucking can't they can't keep their hands off i mean voyager does it too but they can't keep their hands off of other star trek series yeah they got they're gonna have they're gonna have captain picard they're gonna have <laughs> patrick right. stewart on there yep. and he's just gonna have the mustache that he wears when he's one of the three musketeers <laughs> and and you're just gonna be like are we this is what we're doing now was this it this is how limited the casting pool is uh and a bunch of uh, a bunch of scrubs. Anyway, no, pretty soon there's going to be the guy who plays Shran is going to play three characters in one episode. It's going to be a real parent trap situation <laughs> with two Shr- two Shrans <laughs> and their dad also played by Shran. It's going to be my favorite episode called Three Shrans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, three many Shrans. <laughs> three many Shrans. Uh, all of these people act mega suspicious as usual. Uh-huh. Like no one can be cool. Nope. And uh, their story doesn't make sense. And it turns out that all of two of them are holograms that Odo made to keep his daughter sane or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, and she knows it. Yes, she's not tricked in any way. She's in... I mean, basically, her name is Barash. <laughs> she'll always be Jean-Luc to know... me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she'll always be Jean-Luc to me. That's what I, I know what you mean. Um, what was this all episode about? 
Well, this was a Deep Space Nine episode from uh, Season 2 <laughs> called Shadow Play. We'll eventually get to that one. <laughs> uh, it is the uh, like exact same episode. Um, okay. Hmm. Was Odo in that episode at all? He were, oh, that feels like probably was one that took place. They run about it to a planet oh, somewhere. Or don't worry, Odo is in that episode. Okay, just um, checking. Okay. You... You... It's like they had a fucking writer's strike, except that's not. we know that that's not what happened. No, they're just the least fucking original people on the planet. And when you read that dumb book that we read, they always say stuff like, well, everything was come up with by the time we got there. It's like, no, you weren't even trying. You didn't <laughs> like, even no, no. make an effort. They kept making TV after you, yeah. and it got actually got better. <laughs> that's right. TV Like, TV's better TV's now than better, it was before you. But you are worse. But you are not part of that wave. <laughs> Fucking yeah, it's not good. It's really and by the way that the it's also a play on the was it survivors. What's the name of the one with the with the Dowd? Yeah, it's survivors. It's, yeah, okay. So I, I'm also son. I'm not joking about Barash. I know that whole thing was set up for him. I know. Just the way these holograms are set up for the girl. It's messed up. Um, Except that her dad's still around. Right. Yes. I had you can keep telling a lie until you believe it's the truth. I mean, she says it. Well, they do say that, and so there's something. That's, I guess, the story of the episode. All these people are real to her, even though she knows truth about what they are. I don't know. It's a, um, it's a five. Okay. I also had a five, but it's a different five. Oh, nice. All right, let's do this. Um, so here it is. You can't shelter someone from the outside world without stifling them also. That's true. She does seem like kind of a weird shut-in or something. She's like a weird shut-in who barely talks. Yeah. Creeper. Uh, at first I thought that this was, we were seeing a replay of that anti-hunting episode. Yeah. Where the silent woman kept appearing. And being a sexy blonde or whatever. Uh, she, she clearly, clearly very taken with this outside world when she first meets him. And also, there, nothing about this guy's story makes sense. So, like, he could have called for help a long time ago. Yep. Anyway. Um... Uh, to me, it's also a five take. I guess we all have a little bit to learn about parenting, but again, not something that you necessarily need Star Trek to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the parallel here was supposed to be something like, yeah, you can raise your kid in the all-white suburbs, but they're going to turn out weird or something. But I don't... It's. I didn't think that was there. Yeah, but I love it when we do way more work when we improve the fucking show when we just expend like we are in this project 500 times the effort that the writers of the show did think of how much more time we spend on this than the writers did i mean it seems like we're we're spending more time it's insane but it's very hard to imagine that the writers of this episode spent more than the 42 minutes it takes to watch it. Oh, for sure. This was a real boom-boom-pow situation, dude. <laughs> it's true. They just fucking sat down and went, what do you got? Uh, I got, like, uh, what you gonna do with all that ass, all that ass inside them jeans? And then we got the song. That's a hit song. It's number one. And that's what this episode that, was. Do you think that the writers of this show also had a four-way toilet that could only be flushed simultaneously? Yeah, so if you got a blast of dookie, if you got to do a boom-boom-pow, then you got to do it together so that you can make the toilets flush right. If you haven't seen Matt's blog... Um, <laughs> it's not he, updated ever. He never blogs, that's why it's in the song. I don't blog either. That's right. But uh, definitely check it out. He there is he has constructed a diagram of the Black Eyed Peas four, four-person toilet. Uh so it's it's worth considering. You know, I had forgotten um, we had a theme song. I'm glad you because I, when I edit, I don't listen to that part, so I forgot that that exists. Listen to the uh, theme song, well, everybody. It was lovingly created. 
your theme song is by the way super generous that our blogs are updated just five times every year yeah i think it's been a lot it's been many years since i updated my blog five times i think that was definitely a lie (laughs) when i wrote it i'm a liar i'm sorry yeah uh moving into execution um what did i write oh uh i wrote uh creepy odo hiding in his death ship because he didn't seal the baffle plates properly i'm so tired of this by the way we'll get into it but tired of it. but sure enterprise he's just a dad trying to do his best for barrage <laughs> like they don't call him on his shit at all no that he's an insane person he goes and has has a little heart to heart with archer and archer's like well it's time time to let her fly away from the nest or something and he doesn't say you could have called for help at any time but you were ashamed because you thought you killed your crew so you've raised a weird daughter your weird irrational guilt ruined your daughter's life She's going to be recovered from that for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I, I I I know that I just gave him Trip's voice for no good reason. Because <laughs> uh, I can't I can't summon the tears enough to do Archer. You're not emotion. Your baseline emotion is nowhere near high enough. Uh, it's, uh, it's not. I mean, I guess I could like sit on one testicle while I did it. <laughs> yeah, that might be a good way to do it. Uh I gave it a four for execution. Yeah. It's mostly trying to be a spooky, like a spooky jump jump scare show. Yeah. Except it's not. It's not jump scary at no, all. No, the holograms keep like randomly showing up, pointing guns at them and stuff, and it's like, so what? It really is. So what? Uh, it's so they spent a lot of time not successfully setting that atmosphere at all. Yeah, and um, and then the, again, they don't call Odo out because I think they know he's Odo. <laughs> Maybe that's why. You're right. It's <laughs> a good reason. Like, I'm not going to say this to Odo. He was in Deep Space Nine. Odo has a very well-defined sense of right and wrong, and I'm not going to say anything to him about it. I'm sure he thought it through. He knows about justice and things. He's an observer of humanity or whatever. Uh, what did you have for, for execution on this? And this episode was a retread of a DS9 episode, which was a retread of a TNG episode. It really seems like they said this'll be the earlier part of Starfleet history with less technology and more grit, and then they went, that's nah, boring. Each episode now should contain five species or pieces of technology we remember from TNG. Yep. We we already saw the holodeck once when Trip ha- got a wrist nipple, and now we see it again with this guy with all his holograms, and why why does it take 200 more years before Starfleet can replicate the technology? Yeah, that's a very good question. Remember the wonder when Riker walks into the holodeck the first time, and he's like, what the fuck is this? Like, yep. apparently Archer was just seeing it every other day. And then Wesley comes running out, and he's like, oh my god, can you believe this fucking holodeck? That's right. Uh, and Riker's like, I know, right? It's pretty cool. And saying. then Data's bad stunt double pulls Wesley out of the water. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, Enterprise only exists to ruin the things that you liked about the other shows. Uh, it is the Star Wars prequels. Well, so but then, so why did it take so long? It is the Star Wars prequels of TNG. I mean, of, yeah, of I mean, Star Trek. One hundred percent, it is. Um, it's also like you said, just fails to really build any kind of atmosphere. It was a boring episode. I gave it a three. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. How about this for world building? I don't know that alien, some kind of alien in the first scene. That's true. Continuity points for bringing up the rowboat episode. Because okay. she mentions the the last time he liked an engineer, talked about a girl's engineering prowess, he got he got pregnant. Yep. And I guess what more holograms? Give it a two. 
Okay. Um, well, look, I can't say I thought much more of it. I did give it a three. I, I mean, so there's some stuff in here. Um, all right. We went in a rowboat. <laughs> Duratanium. Yeah, what the hell's that? Meaning, presumably, hard titanium. That's right, yes. That's what I assume. Um, Optronic relays. Okay. These are hard light holograms. I don't know what that means. Well, all of the holograms in Star Trek are. Cause, except for the Doctor can choose not to be. Oh, you mean like in um, <clears throat> in Red Dwarf. Right, yeah. Like, you can interact with them physically. Right. Also, um, they operate everywhere on the ship. Yep, apparently that guy has a lot of time to install hollow projectors or whatever. Yeah. I give it a three. Yeah. And, um, you know, at this point, uh, Ben gave it a four with the take, you will do anything for your kids, and then wrote pretty cold take, which is true. Yep, it's not a hot take at all. It's true. It also does not explain that it doesn't make sense that this is what he chose to do, but that's I, fine. I hope that's covered in execution. Uh... Execution, I think he had a stroke, because the first couple of sentences don't make any sense to me. <laughs> Hold on, let me read them. I want to see. Mm. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Ben, are you okay? Ben, send us a message if you're okay. Or send us an audio clip of you reading that out loud so that we know what it's supposed to mean and we'll play that in the mailbag show. You know what I think? Um, I think he might have had the stroke when he was with our mom. And okay. she just said, no, nah, that's fine. It's probably fine. <laughs> hey, we don't do that on this show. Sorry. Anyway, go on. <clears throat> uh, so he gave Execution a five. He gave it a five for Execution. He says it's sort of a prequel for the Menagerie. I, I don't know. Where are the Telosians? Yeah. I liked those guys. Also, th they, they specifically said this woman was in her late 20s. That's right. Um, so I think I mentioned 18. that at some point. They, 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 they go out of their way to not make her a fresh hot 18 year old in this one. That's right. Um, he thought they didn't give, uh, as he puts it, Renee orange juice <laughs> uh, scenes equivalent to his talent here. Ouch. Uh, These writers can't even get up to Odo's talent. <laughs> that's right. That's tough. And the holograms wield real phasers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Doesn't seem like that would be necessary, but whatever. Uh, so, yeah. T tell me about the characterization. That's the last oh. chance for this to earn some points. I can do it. I can do this. Mayweather is a nice boy who doesn't want to pick through alien graves for supplies. Hey, do you yep. know Mayweather's like a really nice boy? <laughs> He is. I really thought when they brought him over there, yeah, and uh, that they were going to start to talk about other haunted ships or legends of haunted. Like he's a spacer, right? I'm sorry. Please boomer. say it correctly. He, he, he's a boomer. He pooed his pants. He's a boomer. It's for all time. Uh, that they were going to talk about other haunted ships or derelicts or any kind of lore, but no, he's just there for about five minutes and then he's out of the episode. They have no clue they, what to do. They with teased him. me. I wanted this to be an episode about him because it's an episode about a cargo ship that crashed. Yeah, like it makes sense to bring him into this, and I guess they thought that too. But then they were like, I don't know, 
Don't we have too many characters? We need to keep this down. To we don't have anything for Reed to do either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hoshi, Mayweather, Reed are always on the bridge, and then you always go, oh yeah, they're in this. They're also in this show. <laughs> they are characters on the show. Um, Paul and Trip have lots of fun banter. I, f- I feel like we say a version of this every week, whether it's Trip and Archer, or Paul and Trip, or whatever. Kind of like yep. Spock and McCoy, except I hate them both. Um, yes, it's like a hateful Spock and McCoy. Trip has the same creepy, bright-eyed perv look when he sees this blonde that Riker has each and every episode. Uh, he falls hard and fast too. I know you kind of make that happen. You have to kind of make that happen, or else it'll be hard to have like a space romance in a forty-minute show. But it always strikes me as like cheating, just like bad writing. That yeah, he's and, in love within nine seconds of seeing this the- lady. This episode covers, like, a couple of days. I think with the robot one, wasn't he there for, like, a week? It kind of made more sense in that one. Yeah, I feel like they took a little slower in that one. He didn't even realize he had a boner for her because she was all scaly or whatever until he was touching those pebbles. That's right. And then he boned out for sure, but... And then she raped him. Yeah, she, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. T'Pol doesn't want to try spicy food. And I think the writers do want us to believe she's jealous of Tripp's affections for other ladies for some reason. She seems jealous, yeah. and I think that is the intention, and I don't know what they're going for. And I wish they'd stop going for it. Seems like Reed has turned into a consistent character. He's a cynic. Yes. He's suspicious of these people, and that leads him to the investigation and uncovering their, their stupid secret. So, I'm glad, by the way, I'm glad... I bet they felt like they really invested their time wisely at the end of this. It was really important to uncover this mystery. Yep, you found out the big secret. A space accident killed the crew and this guy made holograms for his nice daughter. It's cool. So you're going to write that report to Starfleet and then they're going to not read it. But if somebody accidentally reads it, they're going to go, I'm bored. Like, who cares? That was nothing. I gave it a four. Uh, Again, you were a little kinder than me because I only gave it three. (laughs) So it turns out T'Pol was 100% correct about Trip. Yes. Yeah, He. she's like, oh, last time you talked about the lady of the engineering, you got pregnant, and he basically was going to impregnate this lady for sure. Fine. Trip is a serial sexual harasser. Yeah, oh boy. I feel like this is shades of, of, of things in real life that we've been, that we've been reading about. That woman took advantage of him on the first ship. Yes. Right, with the pregnancy and everything? She should have told him some stuff. But what was he doing getting romantically involved with her at all? He was there to fix her ship so that they could make it home. Yep. That's a power imbalance. Oh boy, yes it is. And now, this girl... is She's Nell, from the movie Nell. Right. Like, she could barely speak, she hasn't been in civilization. I'm scared of people... And, whoops. Oh, also, he has to fix her hologram thing and her ship. Yeah, he uses so that as an home. in every time. He's like, oh, yep. here I am. Here I am to save the day. Buddy, that's sexual harassment. I agree. And you've done it twice in season one. <laughs> yes, I'm in agreement. He's starting to, that's a pattern, I think. <laughs> yeah. Knock it off. Be a little professional, dude. Just, just. This is like when we can't believe that Riker keeps being allowed to talk to people. Like, Trip is on the same level. Like, why is he allowed to talk to people? Uh, Ships that you are fixing are not a lady zoo. (laughs) 
Well, you don't just get to pick and oh, choose. Yeah. Also, he's kind of like, oh, I wonder what kind of ladies there's going to be down here. It's, it's not a fucking buffet for you. Yeah. Just be an adult a little bit. I agree. We're we're hitting it this week, dude. We're doing some good work here. <sighs> Dum Dum Archer. Yeah, I didn't we're even mention about him. Dumb by Dumb the way. Archer. <laughs> In Shadows of Pajam. Ooh, that was a winner. Do you remember this episode? That was a week. That was a week winner. They're trying to do their thing, and all of a sudden, the Vulcans send down a fucking SWAT team and blunder in and make everything shitty. Yep. Well, here comes his SWAT team. Yeah. Didn't learn a goddamn thing. I know. No, let's just storm the ship like assholes. Yeah, I wasn't even really clear on why he decided to do that. Well, we know they couldn't use the transporter because ions or something. <laughs> so if they bothered to give an excuse, that's good. <laughs> It was in the beginning, okay. but really it was a throwaway. Uh, I thought, and again, I thought Mayweather was going to be Mayweather. I thought Mayweather was going to be a part of this episode, but nope. No, he's like Yar. He's in the Yar treatment. Uh, like I said, I gave it a, I gave it just a three, just exactly a three. We didn't score this one very well. No, we didn't score it amazingly, and it earned it. Well, and Ben, by the way, also I think had given it a. a well, he gave it a 5 for characterization, so Ben gave it a total of 17, and I'll get to our scores in a minute. Yeah, let me I'll, let me jump into some quick hitters. I wish you would. Uh, hey, we already have a Damar. We don't need a differently spelled Damar, first alien in the first scene. Damar this... is the important Cardassian of late DS9. Thank you. That's a good point. Although the narrator of the Star Trek book, I was listening to the audiobook version, he always referred to him as Damar. Yep. Like, ah, boy. Okay. Um, worst actor, lady who says they were afraid whoever attacked them would come down and finish what they started, who turned out to be that girl's mom. Turned out to be that girl's hollow mom. Yeah. It was extremely mechanical delivery, like she was reading off a page, but also wasn't good at reading. Yes. The old lady. That's who I had. Um, yes. Oh, snap. It's Odo. Uh, are all these hollow people growing real veggies? She brings Trip some veggies, and they are real, and he chows down. So, they grew a lot of veggies for that for those two people, I guess. Well, one of the one of the things that was fishy about their story was that that aeroponics garden... By the way, uh, second mention of aeroponics this week. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Uh, their aeroponics garden couldn't support the number of people that were oh, okay. on the ship. Well, so, um, but I guess it could support two people. Star Trek does this a lot, where the guy is haunted by something that was really only kind of like sort of his fault, like not really his fault. Like he made a mistake. Yep. Like there was a small mistake. Uh, he he is exactly on par with the kid from the Vigo or whatever yeah. that thinks that he blew up the ship because his he... hand slipped and he hit a panel. Yeah, right. And they live with these weird irrational. It's like, in real life, any real person, one, because people are kind of selfish, and two, because you'd have to be a real fucking weirdo to take the small part you had in that thing and and, and freak out about it for the rest of your life. Uh, but that's every mm-hmm. Star Trek character. Everyone they come across has some kind of weird, irrational guilt they've been living with for a million years. Oh yeah, people are very easily haunted by their past in, in Star Trek. Like, I had to blast a dookie, and while I was on the throne, we were attacked. It was my fault! I could have stopped it! If only I hadn't stopped to wipe. Like, the writers are so ballless that they never give them something to actually regret. 
Right. Like they did a bad thing well, and then they feel they bad about it. They can't be a bad guy. Right. Because they, they can't have done a bad thing because then how are we supposed to root for the bad guy or whatever? But it's like, I just don't care. Their story always seems so stupid. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So what I was saying was, or they fear they aren't skilled enough to write that story. The writers are either ballless or they're like, oh, I'm not good enough to write something like that. But... But we know that they thought they were pretty good writers. <laughs> but all the people from, out there the book. who, like, instantly felt bad for Jamie Lannister after his hand gets lopped off in Game of Thrones kind of prove that we have an infinite capacity for forgiveness and pity. So yep. make the guy have a real dark past and let's see if it's a better episode. That's all I had. Especially the guy is a throwaway. Make him Kevin Uxbridge. He killed all the Hoosnaw. Yeah, he did a real thing. Thanks, TNG. He did a genocide so bad Picard doesn't think it's technically a crime. <laughs> Well, you know, time is infinite, and eventually it circles around again, and it's... (laughs) It loops back in on itself, and you're right back where you started, so you can't put him in jail. I mean, I could write you a citation or something, but God. (laughs) Boy, you just pointed out again why TNG is better. They made him do a super genocide. The most crime and the worst crime. He killed all of them. He killed them all like Tupac says he will. He killed all them motherfuckers. And, And Picard... Essentially, is Kira at the end of duet where she's not going to let another good man die? That's right. He feels Except bad I think about Picard knows they, they probably can't kill Kevin Uxbridge, so <laughs> why bother? What's, what are we doing? Picard here? doesn't want to waste the effort on it. He's just like Picard's like, well, oh, let this, I'll let this guy dance on his planet. He's probably not going to genocide anymore. <laughs> He's like, well, I, I don't. He seems think, pretty shaken up by it. I don't think anything in the books covers that, so you know, uh, are you free to go? You are free to go, I, sir. By the way, is there an episode you're looking forward to more than the... Well, I know Arsenal Freedom, Arsenal but... Arsenal Freedom's uh, next week! But, uh, man, am I looking forward to doing the Survivors. Yeah, if we ever get to season three, that's gonna be boss. So boss. It's a good episode because it's one of those things where Picard is on the case as soon as he heard about Rappler Zorn. <laughs> TNG! So good. And also, it does not explain his theories to anyone. See, even when TNG is not really killing it, it's much more entertaining. Yeah. It's a lot more entertaining than these these Enterprise episodes. The problem is they're just really dull. Well, I mean, if you just think about what is little, what are little girls made of, and you're like, oh, that's a pretty bad episode. I did like that part when Kirk was like, half-breed, 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 <laughs> yeah. trying to put that shit in his clone's that's mind. Right. <laughs> it was insane. But it was yeah. much more enjoyable than anything that exactly. happens in Enterprise. Exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah. What'd you have for quick hits? Uh, Cajun food, huh, Trip? Yep. Gonna mention Cajun food? It's very surprising. Wait, where's he from? I'm confused. Mm, I thought he was like a, from, I thought he was like a Washington, Oregon kind of guy. He might Is he be from the South? Oh, okay. Makes more sense. Uh, Jesus Christ with the recognizable guest stars, another mysterious silent woman. Why is Tapol bringing up the rowboat incident? I told, not cool. I'm saying I think they're. <laughs> it's just not cool. They want us to think she's jealous, but I didn't know that that's where their relationship was at. But I, um, <clears throat> I for sure knew that the body inside that capsule would be one of the crew we'd already seen. I thought there was a fair chance that it'd be Odo because he was the guest star. Yeah, give him uh, some but I knew for stuff. sure. I knew for sure it'd be someone, or maybe the girl. That would have been fun too. But they weren't ballsy enough again. Yeah. Uh, this show enjoys itself too much, I wrote. <laughs> don't, don't even know what that's based on. That's just a that's, general It was note. immediately after that scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just thought, uh, uh, look, maybe they really are ghosts. This show thinks a lot of it. It, it insists upon itself, let me say. <laughs> that's right. Uh, taking a shot at the EMH, I wrote. 
don't remember why. Mm-hmm. A lot of hologram something about, stuff. Something about holograms being people. Um, I thought it was a little weird how the aliens on this ship wear grown-up versions of the kids' outfits from the next generation. <laughs> like, did you notice how they're basically dressed like every... Like, not when they're wearing the art smocks to do pottery. Right. But, but like, every kid from When the Bow Breaks, is, they're basically... These adults were dressed like that. These nasty little jumpsuits, yeah. A lot of a lot of nasty purple jumpsuits. Yep. Uh, of course, they kiss at the end. I, I wrote uh, at least they set her up as being twenty seven or twenty eight and not eighteen. Yeah, but, but again, they also establish her as pretty undersocialized. So yeah, it's gross. Mentally, not quite. Mentally and emotionally, not quite there. On a Futurama commentary for an early episode, do you remember the episode where Fry and Bender move in together? Mm, sort of, yeah. And then. And, the uh, landlady comes in and can't figure out what's causing the TV interference to go out, and she keeps pointing it at Bender's antenna, and then turning it away, and then pointing it back. Right. Uh, on the commentary, uh, the writer said the audience loves us, or uh, yeah, the TV loves a slow thinker. <laughs> and how many phaser beams did Archer have to shoot through those guys before he figured out something was up? <laughs> That's what I was thinking about Janeway in the last episode. Really, that didn't work. How about more power? Yep. I don't know. Try more, though. Yes, it was the same thing. Just keep shooting. Uh, it'll work. Don't worry. I know about phasers. I gave uh, Best Actor for this episode to Billy, operator of Enterprise's silent tour for the mute. <laughs> That's good. And uh, Worst Actor to the Forgettable Alien Captain. Damar. Something like that. Don't forget that his name was Damar, because it's the other guy's name is Damar. Okay. Um, the math on this one. Uh, I gave it 15 points. That's not good. You gave it 14 points. That's worse. And uh, that totals to 29 points. So it saves Elosium from losing the week God. by a point. But it's it's also just, just bad. It's still, by the way, six points better than Acquisition and eight points better than Rogue Planet. Well, so. guess what happens? You don't put the Ferengi in it, you're going to score a few more points. And <laughs> yep. which one was Rogue Planet? I don't even remember. Oh, that's the hunting episode. Oh, yeah, that one was. You remember because it takes place on a rogue planet? Ugh, such garbage. Oh, I remember another episode that week took place on a rogue planet. That's true. There was another episode that week that took place on a rogue planet. There was another rogue planet they ran into. It was the episode of The Squire of Gothos. That's right. That won the week, by the way, so (laughs) the concept of a rogue planet isn't necessarily a deal breaker. Yeah. You just got to do better than the episode Rogue Planet. Matt, the winner this week is in the hands of the Prophets. I am shocked. I am shocked that DS9 has won one of these things. But, you know, it was fine. It took them a whole season to do it. Yeah. And with a 49-point episode, which is better than the winners of most weeks. Yeah, that's not bad. And again, um, we should give props to the one who finished in second place for getting 48, because that's a really good score. That's right, Heart of Glory came in 48, so a, a strong TNG episode's going to raise their average quite a That's bit. That's an average and, of 6 uh, out of 10. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which we are giving them a lot of compliments for. It's a straight-up D-. minus. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so DS9, first win, 49 points. TNG follows it up, second place, 48 points. Pretty strong. Yeah. I think, um, you know, third was uh, Tomorrow Was Yesterday at 33, and uh, fourth was Elogium with 30, and Oasis with 29. Rounded it out. Um, next week. Mm. Shall we look ahead? Oh, please. I know. Shall we peek ahead? I remember. Oh, we have to, because people need to know what to watch. I remember what one of them is, and I am very excited about it. Boy, I bet you are. <laughs> uh, but for TOS, we have Court Martial. 
Uh, Did I, Kirk kill a guy? I, I kind of remember that one. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. It's a little bit of a mystery, and we tend to be derisive about mysteries. Yeah. Oh, I remember now uh, that Chorus used the word docile, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> That's right. That was when I thought that he went to college. <laughs> um, for TNG, the Arsenal of Freedom, we get to see the Echo Papa 607. Looking forward to that Echo Papa for fucking so long. And by the way, I changed the trigger word on my Echo, so it won't wake it up when he says Nice. It. The Echo, when I had the Echo was the wake word, everything woke it up. I changed it back to Alexa, and now only commercials for the Echo wake it up. That's pretty good. So it's doing pretty you good. Take, you take your chances. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, we'll get to learn about the USS Drake. I, it's, I can't it's wait. It's a good ship. But I can't wait to hear about the Drake at the Lollipop and all the other ships. Yep. Uh, for DS9, the Homecoming. What's your ship's top speed? Mine's Warp 3. Not a brag, dude. <laughs> So that's not a brag. Maybe don't volunteer that. Maybe lie a little bit. Is is we know that the warp scales have been recalibrated. Is your ship Archer's Enterprise? <laughs> um, DS9 for DS9, the Homecoming. I don't remember what that is. I presume Jake goes to prom, but or something. <laughs> but we are in officially in season two next week. So that's right. Uh, we've been in season two of Voyager for a few episodes already. Um, but we'll be watching the episode Non Sequitur. Mm. Again, that could mean anything, but at least it's words. Yes, it's not a fancy made-up alien thing. Uh, this is, I mean, the episodes for Voyager after that is Twisted, okay. Parturition. That doesn't sound good. Persistence of Vision, Tattoo, okay. Cold Fire, Maneuvers, Resistance, Prototype, Alliances. Right. So they're getting it out of the way. Threshold. Meld, Dreadnought, Death Wish, Life Signs, Investigation. So I guess they got over. They it. mostly until we get to Tuvix in <laughs> eight thirty nine. I remember. I remember. I remember <laughs> timelines when you got when you made Tuvix happen, and you were so distraught. I had no idea what that was a reference to. <laughs> that was a spoiler as well, and it made you very unhappy. And I was just like, Man, what am, how can, I can merge Neelix and Tuvok? The episode that will make you right. even... This is a bug. Even, oh my god, I made Tuvix! <laughs> the episode will make you even less happy than that event. Uh, god. And Enterprise, we're watching something called Detained. Yeah, maybe a bottle episode or something. Who knows? Oh, I hope so. Who knows? Oh, but Arsenal of Freedom's next. I can't... I'm so excited, man. I'm I know. There's there so many good things about that episode. So many memorable things about that I mean, episode. It gets name-checked in the Magic Cloak song. Oh, yeah. They're, uh, you can tell. Where they, they have, like, taste. Song, Star Trek sucks. They got some taste, so that's... You know what to watch out for. Uh, oof. So, yeah, no. Yeah, now, I'm really looking forward to it. Now, We're going to learn all about Beverly's background, and she knows about medicinal herbs and shit. It's going to be great. The Chief Engineer Logan, all that good shit. Dude, there, uh, there are now two shows in Season 2. Yes. Uh, starting next week. Um, I have no idea when Enterprise enters Season 2. Yeah, probably. Enterprise and TNG will probably be around the same time. I don't remember. Probably Enterprise will go first. But, th- again, the TOS seasons are pretty long. So they'll be in Season 1 for a while. I meant to say this in Deep Space Nine. So everyone cast your mind back to Deep Space Nine. Do you remember that uh, Bajoran engineer a few episodes ago mm. that got a line for no reason? Her yeah. name was Anara. Yeah. Was, she was in green. And then last she, week, there was another she, one, and it was this chick. Yeah, she was supposed to be the same person, okay. but that actress 
didn't work out, whatever that means. This was my question last week. Remember, I was like, is this the same yeah. character and a different actress? Is it a different character because they couldn't get the same actress? Like, what's the it's deal? It's a different character because the same the first actress didn't work out, but it was supposed to be a little arc for her. And that's why the file is named ANA, because that character's name was Anara. Uh... A bunch of stuff like that. So, supposed to be the same character. Uh, but so they blew She was it. supposed to have a three-episode arc, and they it only ended up being two. Yeah, and by the way, not much of an arc, because in those first two episodes, she got, like, one line. So Yeah, but that's how Fresca started. That's true. And the guy who got his face eaten, or whatever. Um, someone got their face eaten? Uh, he got his, no, his face was stolen. He got face-offed. Oh, yeah, that creeper. the racist Balan episode. The guy who suddenly showed up and we both thought this is definitely a conundrum situation. Why is yep. this guy here? Why is he in the camera? And then it wasn't. We were just like, what? Yeah. And then uh, next week he got his face stolen. So we were like, ah, oh, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, hey, Lieutenant Carey hasn't shown up in a while. Where's he? I have not seen him in a while. I'm starting to get worried about him. I want him to come back. He he uh, he should have been one of the two people making out in the turbo lift. Yeah, that would have been. Well, no one wants to make out with that dude. No, I mean I get it. Big but like, sweaty Irish guy. I mean, it's not the what problem, are we doing? But... Introducing some more people we've never seen. We should have seen everyone on the ship by now. I agree. All right, everybody. Hey, we did it. So we did the um, damn thing. DS9 got its first win, so it's tied for last place with Voyager. Everybody, please tweet at Avery Brooks and congratulate him on their first win. <laughs> be great if we had an audience this would be great if we had like a participating audience and he got and he got like a whole shitload of tweets congratulating i don't want avery brooks to listen to this he would yell at us for the things we said well he should do better he should do better he should do better the writers should do better everyone should do better because cisco uh basically was not in season one with a season in the books and he really wasn't in it you're not wrong at all yeah. Uh, play along if you like everybody we'll do another one of these in a couple weeks next week will be a, a mailbag or something like it um, and you can tweet us at brotherdate you can find the show at brotherdate.com or on the iTunes and please tweet Avery Brooks and tell him to please start listening because we got a lot of good things to say about him tell him that specifically <laughs> tell him if you want to hear a show where they got so many complimentary things to say about you and your performance and your voice and just your general like your presence on screen you should probably listen to this pod show, and I will be delighted if he if he actually listens. That would be amazing. Thank you, everybody. And I will quit the show, and Matt can do it with Ben. <laughs> I'll do it with Avery fucking Brooks. Well, that would be awesome. Peace, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. So I didn't actually oh puke in my mouth. Oh, boy. That was close. <laughs> my keyboard does not have that sweet Totoro protector on it, and that would have been really bad. <laughs> Yeah, I thought about the devil. Oh, boy. Please subscribe.